0: Oh, I've got you under my skin. Oh, I've got you deep in the heart of me. So deep in my heart, that's not really a part of me. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got
1: you. <laughs> you're not kicking in?
0: No, man. Under my skin.
2: <laughs> we have two hours to go. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>
0: <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you, man.
1: That's nice. Not thank your first you.
0: time. Not my first time. No. no, it's not. First time on a show. First time on the show. But not a first time on the mic. No. Frankie's <laughs> very close to my heart. <laughs> well, you can't go wrong with him, man. That's it. So is know. Portugal, but... So is Portugal. Is Portugal. it? Yeah. yeah. So
1: you're in... Uh, denial yeah we just
0: got kicked out today right <laughs> it's a sad the sad sad i thing. had
1: nothing to do with it i wasn't part of the team i had nothing to do with <laughs> that's it. that's it so i'm portuguese but i had nothing to do oh with yeah it. what part of portugal are you from? from the azores oh from the azores yeah, nice nice right. nice so and i know brazil got kicked out by uh croatia by croatia so it's interesting Very sad. so people would be listening to this in january they'll probably start crying again all over again yeah, yeah. they have to. gentlemen welcome to the show man
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. Uh, so I got Ryan on my left and Ooh. I got uh, Manib. Manib right? Yes. On my right. So Assured Basements. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys have been doing this for about three years and its website is www.assuredbasements.ca and to reach them is sales at assuredgroupinc.ca. Correct. And then the Instagram is assuredbasements. Correct. With an S, right? Correct. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Okay. Any other social media you guys are on? We're on YouTube. Okay. So we have a lot of videos on YouTube. Nice. Of, of the basements
2: that we've finished. There's probably like 30 videos there right now and more coming.
1: Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: You guys are seeing the power of the video, huh?
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's why we have cameras here. Big time. That's
0: We're, what a lot of customers really like to see. And it gives them ideas on kind of what to, where to do their basement. Cause a lot of people have a hard time envisioning something from drawing to what the final product is going to look like. So the videos really help out. So how, how'd you guys get started? You want to take the lead, or do you want me to? Sure, take I'll take the lead. So okay. I know I know Manif for about thirteen years, okay. um, just through association and through friendships. We never really worked together, and I I used to own assured flooring since 2016, uh, and before that I was in construction pretty much. From, I'm 41 today. I was in construction pretty much probably at 17, 18. I started just part time labor. What's with all you forty year olds lately on
1: the show with no gray hairs at all, man? I'm no gray think, hairs. I'm trying to yeah, figure out when cut. my gray hair started showing up, and I don't know if it was maybe mid forties it started showing up. Yes, probably. Yeah. yeah. The stress hasn't
0: hit yet. You I'm know? wondering
1: if there's like a just for men kind of thing happening with all the guests <laughs> or something.
0: <laughs> we got to come all sh- nicely <laughs> cut to your show. I mean, that's the first time I'm being on camera. So sorry, I interrupted you, man. That's no, okay. Yeah. So. Um, I primarily, sorry, primarily uh, was running Assured Flooring at the time that Munib um, was coming, and Assured Flooring does flooring um, after water floods and fires, mainly for the insurance companies and for our restoration companies. Yep. So we did a lot of work uh, with the restoration companies. We did a lot of commercial work, and some residential as well. And what happened... Just, he, Manib was uh, working with a few uh, a few other basement companies, and he was kind of starting his own thing with another partner. And he came to me and he asked me if I would help them out. I was just way too busy just before COVID, and uh, and then as COVID uh, as COVID started uh, in, I, I started helping him out a little bit. And then as COVID started in, all our commercial work started closing, mm. and then we. He was still right there, and I just started shifting the gears more towards the residential work. And then it just it expanded, and it blossomed from there. Mm-hmm. A lot of people needed a lot of help during COVID, renovating their, their residences for, uh, for working from home situations. And a lot of people needed to separate themselves from the rest of the family sometimes while they were working or just to another space to live. Yep. And basements became a thing. And uh, we kind of captivated on that market, and uh, we are still growing strong.
1: Nice. Mm -hmm. So then you got into it.
0: So
2: me, myself, I'm I'm the sales aspect of the residential construction game, if you want to call it. I was always selling, whether it was water tanks, I did that for years. Got into HVAC, sold a lot of HVAC. Um, When the rebates were in, then I came into the window business, did that for a couple of years, and I was always in a sales management position where I'm training other sales reps to sell home improvement sales. So pretty got much it. since university, I've been doing this.
1: Keep uh, Pull the mic closer to yeah, you. Yeah, or, Either way, or, just bring sure. it
2: Yeah, it's fine. So I never had really a job, but it was always a sales part of construction. And uh, I got involved in the basement industry prior to him with some other uh, companies and stuff. And I saw where there is a need for improvement, but I wasn't able to take that step at that point. And I was still selling and then... It, Turned 30, and that's when the hoo-ha moment came where my wife told me, hey, if you really want to, to be able to answer to customers in a way where you could say, hey, man, I'm responsible for everything and not say the company is the one that's going to do this since you're just a salesperson, you got to take that next step. And that's we were talking in that time. We reconnected after a couple of years, and just all the energies kicked in, and we s- came up with the shared basements. And we, we, we do Ontario. We have a couple hundred basements in Ontario in the three years that we've been doing this now we're going into Alberta. So that's kind of where we're at as of today.
1: Okay, so I, I want to talk about basements because basements, whenever you get clients coming on board, they don't look at basements the same way that they look at the, the other two floors, right? Mm-hmm. And then that. And when I say that, I mean budgetary-wise. They look at it like, yeah, we want all, all that extra living space. We want all that extra functionality, but we don't want to pay the price that we would have paid if we paid the first floor and the second floor. Same amount of square footage, basically speaking, outside of the mechanical area, right? But... They're expecting you to do the basement
0: for far less. How do you guys handle that? So there's a lot of ways. I mean, Manib's more on the sales and more on the construction. Basements are not only less square footage. I mean, they're about, actually, sorry, about the same square footage. They're a little more complicated of a build. Yeah. Because with the first floor and the second floor, your, your main flooring, flooring goes on top of wood. Yeah. It's easy to correct it. With the basement, it's on top of concrete, generally. So it's very hard to correct it if there are issues. Also, any type of plumbing, any type of electrical, uh, especially the plumbing, is going from under the concrete up. Mm -hmm. So anything anything you have to do, you have to be very precise in your measurements because it's not very easy to correct it once everything is done around it. What do you mean you're running the mechanical underneath the concrete? Why aren't you... So, if you are, I, I meant the plumbing. Sorry. Okay. So yeah. the rough plumbing when yeah, you so when you're, you're bringing up a the toilet, con- yeah. you're breaking up the concrete, and you're you're running the uh, the plumbing roughens yeah. under the concrete. Yeah. Sometimes we're running uh, mechanical under the concrete if you're going with underfloor heating. Yeah. But primarily, everything is done under concrete. Once the project is completed or closer to completion, and you're doing your final plumbing, it's very hard to correct anything. Um, so. In that respect, all your measurements have to be very precise uh, and it's it's a much harder build than the first floor and the second floor. But to more answer your question, how do we battle talking to people and talking to them about costs? We have a very, very uh, detailed price list okay. that we have created over the years. Uh, coming- a sandwich board. A sandwich board. Yeah, you could call it that. So what? Like so it basically,
1: X, something costs X amount. Something, something costs X, X, amount. X amount. That's it. right.
0: And um, we we stick to that price list as much as possible. Okay. Right. Uh, we don't, you know, change it from one customer to the other. And we have everything calculated uh, just over time. Everything calculated to cost on that price list. So, explaining to someone that their basement is generally one third. If not half in some cases of their home, and any cost of renovation would be uh, would be half to one third of the cost of their of the cost of their build is a challenge, but most people seem to understand that when we go into the simple questions of you know how much should your house cost you? how much do you think it costs for your house to build it? Why do you think you wouldn't spend you know one third of that cost that's what basement? I
1: mean is that that's that's their debate Mm -hmm. so i remember early in my career i no different than you guys i started in basements because i looked at basements as a third floor i looked at it as an opportunity i didn't care about the lack of window the lack of sunlight the lack of whatever once you started renovating it you're offering up Walkouts, yep. step ups, whatever you're offering bigger windows if you allow for the fire code and the allowances on the uncertain certain walls and everything. Like that. So you started bringing more natural light in, so it didn't feel like the basement anymore. But I was doing basements in the beginning where you know 1600 1700 square foot basement, and you're doing a budget of like two fifty to three hundred thousand dollars, right? That felt correct, right? But then lately, there was one that I recently went to go quote out. I think it started the year. I want. There was a grocery list the client actually offered to me. It has to be a legal basement apartment. It has to have the separate entrance and all this other shit, right? Started a larger window openings. Basically, the whole grocery list that I offer, right? Then it became a conversation because I've got the sense that this person doesn't understand what the term legal basement apartment means. Mm-hmm. So I asked them, "What's your budget?" And they said, "We well, we have twenty five thousand dollars." So <laughs> I mean. It's it's it was probably a six or seven hundred square foot basement. So it was a smaller basement. But if you want a legal basement apartment, there's no way in hell that you're going to get this done legally for twenty five thousand dollars. You might be able to get it done that it will last a day or two after it's completed (laughs) for that amount. So then I walked away from it. So I had, like, it's easy for me to say no these days, mm-hmm. right? So I'm sure that you guys get that all the time where, sure, they've spent a house, they bought a house, they paid a million dollars. Technically speaking, first floor costs 500 top floor costs 500 Technically speaking, your basement should be in the ballpark of that range too as well, mm-hmm. right? But they're not looking at it that way, especially when you start talking about adding that walkout, engineering, mm-hmm. excavation, how it's going to work on the outside, bigger windows, structural, engineering again, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the big problem because even during COVID, they saw it as here's an opportunity for our basement. We need this space. We need a rec room. We need another office. We need another kitchenette down there. We need a three-piece bath down there. We need heated elements because it's a concrete floor. Mm -hmm. So it's like you start adding up all this stuff and it becomes a challenge to speak to these clients this way. That's why I'm trying to figure out how you guys are. It's great that you've got a sandwich board. That's amazing because now, fine, you want a rec room, it's this size, here's the much. You want heated throughout, here's how much. Mm -hmm. If you want a three-piece, this is how much. That's great. But I'm finding resistance from the clients. So I'll
2: elaborate a little bit more on that. Since we're a primarily only a basement company, um, all our marketing is basements, basements, basements. Great. And then me as the sales manager, I have five sales guys that I trained and, and go into homes. I essentially qualify those calls first before we even send somebody out there. Our average right now, probably 14 calls get disqualified to get one qualified call. I believe to even it. even go there. I believe it. So... Our process is very detailed, even on the phone. And before we even send a guy out, I can tell you, I'll probably spend about 40, 45 minutes to an hour sometimes on the phone prior to it even being qualified. So we set these budgetary expectations after looking at their house on Google Earth, um, kind of understanding square footage, specs, needs, level of finishing is also very important where people miss out on that because ABC basement guy out of his truck, when he says three-piece bathroom, well, that's open to interpretation in any form. It could be a corner acrylic-based shower, or it could be a bathtub. But the details really matter because every little thing you add can get very costly, whether it's a feature wall, blah, 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 blah. So we basically have all these detailed conversations, and before our sales managers or estimators go out there, they have a list of their grocery list already, and they get a recording of the call as well in some cases, so they can listen to it yeah. to kind of know what this customer is about. Okay. And then they kind of bob and weave with them inside the basement draw it up then then the sandwich board only comes out at that point Got it. they even qualify the sandwich board there's probably about five hours of work
1: prior so so you guys are i mean based on that you're spending um 14 hours on average mm-hmm. to get one potential lead right It'd be sometimes so you're spending basically two days work to get one right and that's still not even securing the deal at that time well you believe
2: it or not About 95% of the customers that we see are sold in the first meeting.
1: Yeah, I I don't doubt it. Like, you guys are vetting them to the point. So I'm saying that those 14 hours are valuable hours. Very. Because you're weeding out the people, right? Plus drive time. All that stuff. Plus this. And I know other builders that do the exact same thing. Sure, Mm -hmm. I'll spend the time. I'll sit down. I'll have a conversation. I'll discuss things with you. But I'm going to bring it over to realistic land. and talk to you about realistic land. I'm not going to talk to you about Pinterest land, house land, HDTV land. I'm not going to talk to you about any of those lands. Those all belong with Disneyland. Mm -hmm. Correct. I agree with you. I'm not interested in that. So you guys weed it out, which is great. That's the first great step to do that. So like I said, it's valuable hours at that point. Mm -hmm. What are people asking for in the basements? Are they primarily looking at it as income properties Uh, or extended space for their home?
2: It's a very good question. I can just tell you in the total five years that I've been doing this, I've done a couple thousand basements now and I would say it's probably like 2% of the clients are the legal income qualified even clients that have the budget and actually understand what a legal basement, like you said earlier, is because none of them do. Like, and there's nobody that has really figured out how to cater to that client yet because there's no information for the client to begin with. Like they hear it on a kitchen table, sitting, eating liver. Hey, why don't you rent out your basement? Sure, I'll call a basement company tomorrow they have no idea what it costs. Like minimum, like I've never seen a legal basement less than 100K just to put it out there, That's right? bare bones. So on the phone, when you even kind of come to that number, already the, it's like they're, they're not interested. Yeah, 100%.
1: Financially speaking, they're not interested.
2: And then there's a lot of people that do it illegally out there, which we're not, right? I so know, and
1: they, but they, they, do they do it because they don't want to pay the money to do it properly or do they do it because they feel certain municipalities are preventing people from doing certain kitchens and stuff like that, right? Go ahead.
0: So the, that's, to answer this question as well as the last one that you asked, I think the provincial government as a whole has has really taken a seat back on enforcement uh, between contractors and really gone after more new home builders where they force you to be registered, force you to have... Um, uh, all the certifications in order to meet Tarion. But they really took a seat back with general contractors. And what I mean by that is this. I actually met with, we're finishing a project in Bowmanville right now, a basement. Uh, the basement for personal use, I think it was about $150,000. His neighbor, his neighbor um, came in and said, wow, you guys did a phenomenal job. You should come take a look at my project. And I went to take a look at his project just because I was there. I was meeting with the client, making sure everything, the finishing touches were there. I went to meet with his, uh, and I saw a a basement that that was partially framed, partially plumbed. So he was in process? He was in process. Okay. Uh, Partially, there there was concrete littered on the side of his uh, house. And I said, what is happening here? Oh, I wanted you to come take a look because I'm building a, um, a uh, secondary suite and I don't know what my contractor is doing. Okay, but you should trust your contractor. I was ready to walk right out at that point. Why did you call me if you already have a contractor? Let him do his, his job. And then he said, well, you know, um, the contractor has failed seven inspections.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I don't think I've failed seven in my lifetime.
0: Same here. I mean how have you failed seven inspections well he's failed seven inspections just on the framing holy so like, cow okay so can i can i see your permit so i pull up the permit i'm going through the permit I'm like where did you get this permit from and he said oh you know i found some guy online and paid him uh, 1500 bucks for the permit somebody drew a whole permit package for 1500 dollars? yes okay and then what was your next step well i went on kijiji and I found a, a, a guy who came in and quoted me $35,000 all in. So what happened? Well, the guy started doing his work, and then he disappeared. Okay, this is a real story. And I'm and like, then, then what did you do? Well, I found another guy in Kijiji who came in and said 25000 to finish the work. Did he pay the 35000 Yes. So, and then I found another guy who, gave, he, who offered me 25000 to finish the balance of the work. And then I said, okay, so what now? Well, this is the guy that failed seven inspections. The second guy. The is. second guy. Like, okay. He's like, do you see anything wrong with the project? I'm like, a whole bunch. But maybe let the guy finish the work. I didn't want to badmouth anybody. I didn't want to get myself into the yeah. mess. Right? I was, I was getting ready to leave. He goes, chases me down, and he said, what happens if I hired you to finish the balance of this work? I turned around to him, and I said, well, first you would – for me to even meet with these uh, with the municipality and quote this, I would be asking for a commitment somewhere between fifty and seventy thousand dollars. Oh well that's a little too high. Okay then let your contractor finish but the he's work. already paid that, but he's already paid that and that's the problem we have We have all the municipal licenses of almost every jurisdiction that offers one, and uh, you know uh, we, we have passed the tests. The, we have a showroom that they can come to and select their items. We have uh, employees, trucks, dressed. They expect us to compete at the same level of a guy who went to you know, a, a city trade school, bought himself a truck, grabbed a couple of tools, and thinks he knows what he's doing. Then on top of that, if you pull up permits online... You will find lots of companies offering to draw permits for between $1,000 and $1,500. I didn't
1: even know these guys existed. Oh, yeah. It's not
0: one. It's about 10 to 15 of them, minimum.
1: But why aren't these homeowners or you guys, are you guys doing the drawings yourself? Are you guys working with an architect?
0: So we work with engineers, architects,
1: and we do the drawings ourselves. Okay, so it's their scope of work. It's their pay. Sorry? It's their work. It's their responsibility.
0: Correct. So, so eliminating
1: what, the idiots that are online selling this service.
0: So people go online, get the, get the permit drawn, then they give it to us, and, and then they shop around with this permit. The only problem is to actually have someone value their time and their work, these companies are sending one person. Some of them are really good. Don't get me wrong. But the majority of them send somebody to draw a sketch of the basement. They send an architectural technologist to s- draw a sketch of the basement. They take this, and without physically seeing the project themselves, they try and get this permit approved. Once the permit, the city just looks at, you know, uh, the, just the on-value basis, and the city will stamp it based on the, on the permit meeting the, the building code and state that the homeowner is responsible for the accuracy of this. Now, the homeowner doesn't know what they're talking about. Of course not. So they, they're they showing us a permit, believing it to be true. When we come and start measuring things, the permit's completely off. Mm-hmm. So now we have to take this permit, apply for a revision of that, which is almost costing the same amount of money that it would just take to do the permit from the beginning. Yep. And um, and now the homeowners is is kind of blaming us now that, oh, you guys are increasing the cost. So it's a very... It's a very hard conversation with a homeowner regarding cost, right? And Manib pretty much focuses on the sales aspect, trying to at least bring them through the door so we can have a look at their project. And then I focus on the construction aspect. I take these drawings, break them down into every little detail um, and try and focus on just what it would actually take to do this, right? Because if Manib was to spend all the hours um, actually in someone's house, breaking that basement down he wouldn't be spending 14 hours to acquire a customer he would be spending almost 60. Yeah
1: that's true. Right? What awesome. happened to the neighbor
0: there? He's, he said he'll hold off until you know he, he uh, his contractor can figure something out. Did
1: there. you ask him where he got his budget from his amount? Kijiji. The, 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 well, contract no, the first contractor gave him a number and that was where he got his budget from? Correct. Yeah uh, but then now he's got a second person and he got that budget from that second person. Correct. To finish it, right? Yep. But now you've given him another number. Yeah. Which realistically, it would have cost all three of those numbers.
0: All three of those numbers minimum. To do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's where the education process. But he's got to like, a, all, all fault TV with income property, the show. Mm-hmm. Like I remember years ago, there was an article in, in Money Sense magazine dissecting exactly what everything costs in, that, in one particular job that he did. And and they wouldn't comment on it. They, they just said something about, well, there's a lot of uh, gratuity, so it's so basically we get a lot of free stuff, so we can't really figure out the budget on top of that. But we know, we know exactly what a basement rental would cost, so why don't you just say that number? Yeah. But he's also not, a, a, like that show in particular, is not telling the people that are watching it, you have to go get a loan to do this construction, and then do the construction, then pay off the loan, and then you start making income on that property. Yep. But they paint that picture with a wide brush saying that you do this construction right now, you start making income property tomorrow.
0: That is actually possible. And we do help But homeowners. you're borrowing money
1: at that point. Correct.
0: So we do help homeowners with that. So we have had a lot of homeowners come to us and say, guys, you know what? We love your work. We've seen the videos. We've seen your showroom. We love what you guys do. Uh, however, I can only afford X. And you're telling me it's why to build this this basement the way I want it, with the walkout and uh, making it a completely legal basement that I can rent out. So we sit down with them and we formulate a plan. Well, let's see, you know, Mr. Homeowner, how long have you owned your home for? Where can we help you get the financing to do this? So we have actually um, a a tested program where we have been able to uh, get loans for homeowners that they can build their basement for about, about $600 a month. Yeah. Turn around and rent that same basement, and homeowners have been getting rents from $1,500 all the way up to $2,200 is the highest I've heard uh, for a basement. So they're paying $600 a month to build it, $2,200 a month. So it is still a financial gain. So, and then homeowners have walked up to us and told us that you know, their accountant helped, helped them, because we are actually licensed contractors, Uh, Their accountant has helped them write off some of that money that they have spent in building their basement as an income property towards their taxes and the income that they're earning from the home. What in the full amount? Correct, but it's amortized over years, right? So So they have written
1: off some amount per year. They can't do 100% whatever the cost of the construction was?
0: They, they, you have
1: I'm to bring it over a few years? I'm not an accountant. I, I, but my understanding is that you could. If it's You should account. be able because to. Because the same way that you're collecting the, the rental income, that's yep. actually capital for you now. So then Correct. you have to declare that. Correct. So it's the same respect that if you spent, whatever, argument's sake, $100,000 yep. to renovate this place to create yep. a, a legal. D- and now that's the other thing. It's that word legal. Mm-hmm. It has to be a legal dwelling. It has to be illegal. To so work. now, so you got to meet all fire and sound code, all that stuff, right. right? And then that way you can submit it. Yes, all the expenses that it costs you to do this go towards all the rental that's coming in. Towards all the rental income and yeah. the taxes you would have paid on the income of that property, exactly, right? Yeah. Which is smart. I've seen. I've been seeing a lot more companies offering that, which is yeah. great. Uh, I'm assuming that there's also an interest rate attached to that as well, too, there for, is an for that rate amount, attached. right? But now you don't have a homeowner worrying about. I have to drop 100, hundred and fifty k right mm-hmm. now. It, it's done. I guess the work is done in the next three, four, six months or whatever it is. Correct,
0: and it makes it a lot easier for them, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. That's pretty, yeah. So, on our best, we have built an income property in thinking about nine weeks. Nine from weeks from start to go, and that's how many square feet? By eight hundred in one, right? So in nine weeks, so one, yeah. Yeah. And that's including Run. the permit and inspections? No, not including the permit. Okay. From start to finish. So construction start. construction But starts. then you still have um, inspections. Correct. Right, right in the middle. Inspections yeah. take a day. As long as you know what you're doing, you won't have any issues with inspectors. Was that basement with a walkout too? Yes, with a walkout. We just did one in Guelph in... That was 10 uh, weeks. That was 10 weeks too. Yeah. We just we did one a, in Guelph. We built the walkout, yeah. Now the permit took us three months to achieve. In Guelph. Okay. And then from the time we start with a walkout in Guelph, it was 10 weeks. Okay, done. so l-
1: let me do a little history and construction, and then I'll ask you guys how you guys pulled that off. Sure. Uh, what is the largest underground complex in the entire world? It's here in Canada, by the way. It's in Canada. Largest underground complex in the entire world. Wow. Montreal, yeah. Quebec, the underground so- Bell city. Center? No, Montreal? no, no, no. Uh, underground city or La Ville Souterraine in French uh, is the largest underground network in the world. It's 32 kilometers of tunnel cover, uh, more than 41 city blocks. Wow. So this would be similar to the path in Toronto. Oh, this is a lot bigger than a the path. A lot bigger than the path. <laughs> yeah. What is the deepest underground city? It's not in Canada. This one is Dubai. No, it's not Dubai. Oh. They're they they're more visual. Deepest they, underground city. They're above would the Probably
0: ground. be in Europe, Turkey. In oh, Turkey, wow. okay, uh, Kapadoci. Uh, Kapadoci, yeah, Kapaduccia. That's
1: it. That's right. there, there yeah. you go. I've heard of that. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, located in central Turkey, is home to no less than thirty-six underground cities, and at a depth of approximately eighty-five meters.
0: Oh. it's insane
1: knowledge. What is the deepest uh, a human has been underground? Now, this one. Mariana's Trench. In the ocean or in the. No, not in the ocean. Not in, in the ocean. This is actual, this is actual Earth. This yeah, would huh. be Russia. Uh, the Kola Makes Super deep, Superdeep borehole, SG uh, hyphenated three, is a result of a scientific drilling project from the Soviet Union uh, near the Russian border, where Norway, uh, on the Kola Peninsula. The project attempted to drill as deeply as possible into the Earth's crust. Wow.
0: Maybe uh, they thought they could get to the U.S. that way. Nah. After, <laughs> they, after They were digging f- a lockout for the basement. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> after
1: five years, the cola uh, was, uh, well had reached seven kilometers down. Wow. Uh, work continued until the project was abandoned in 89, uh, 1989 yeah. because the drill became stuck in rock at a little over 12 kilometers, almost 40,000 feet uh, deep. This is the current record for a depth of uh, reached by humans.
0: I wonder what the pressure is down there. I have no idea. Like, uh, I was going to ask you guys. So, how do you guys pull that off with that
1: 9, 10 week window?
0: So we uh, we frame in three days. All all our employees are we we specialize them. In we the we figured. Where are you guys getting your employees? Just we, a lot of experiments. A lot okay. of a lot of them were already with us. Like, we're with me doing the restoration work. Um I just decided to specialize them. So our framers frame, our drywallers drywall, our tapers tape, our painter's paint, our tilers tile. Um and they generally sometimes have a subtrade just in case we get a little bit slow. But for the past year uh for the past year it's consistent two to three bracements starting every week. Mm-hmm. So it's been a stressful year. It has slowed down a little bit with this recession. Uh, however, it's still pretty consistent. Uh, we're currently booked all the way to March mm-hmm. um, at two two starts a week. So you're framing in three days. In
1: three days. All bulkheads and everything? Everything, Correct. yeah. Three days. All timber. Not, is it steel studs or timber?
0: Timber with steel trucks. St- steel on the, steel on the uh, bulkheads and the, yeah, the ceilings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're framing in three days. If we have to do furring channels, we add a day for furring channels. So we're framing in three days. Then... Um, so this
1: let's just kind of keep it straight. So this is not a legal income property. This, this is, just, is a legal oh, income this is a legal property. property. Oh yeah. Okay.
0: All right. right. So we're framing in three days. Uh, we can do a walkout in a week, right? Dig is one day. Uh, frame. Uh, then we rebar the second day. Get it inspected. Right. We try and book the inspector in the morning. Book the truck in the uh, in the um, late afternoon. Truck comes. Pour the concrete. Book another inspection. It's passed. You're
1: okay. pouring the retaining walls and the stairs all at the same time. All at the same time. Okay, and then what about any forming imprinting? So the right? forming's done the day before. No, no, the forming imprinting. Sorry. So when you are pouring the stairs and the retaining wall at the same time, you're going to get forming imprinting in the concrete.
0: So the guys, so the guys, we don't do the um, the the concrete work in house. We have concrete guys that are coming to do it. Yeah. Right. So they're so to. So I'm, I'm just used to day. that
1: you would pour the, the retaining section first. Yep. Right. And then you would pour the stairs second as a two pour. No. To avoid any fir- forming imprinting, right? Yeah. That's the only reason why I'm, I bring that up. But they they're might, doing it at the same time?
0: They're doing it at the same time. And it's working well.
1: And there's no forming imprinting going no. on. I find that hard to believe.
0: I've watched it happen in front of my own. Oh, office. because
1: I mean, when you're putting the stairs on, and yep. you Like, how are you securing um i'm trying to figure it out so if you've got a wall you're forming for the wall on both sides right yep. now you've got to form for the stairs yep how are you um, Are or you're saying the concrete going from the wall to the stairs
0: yeah yeah so
1: so they're cutting out the wall into the line of the stairs and then they're adding all the risers of each stairs and they're hammering to the forming of the wall it's pretty challenging when it's a lot simpler just to do it in two pours
0: might be simpler to do it in two pores but there I've seen them do it in one
1: okay yeah I'm just saying that if I, if it's done in one i will even even in two pores I still seen formula imprinting going yeah. on right so that's why, and I just don't know because that's the finished concrete that's your finished look when you have this it. is
0: this is all these guys do yeah they they don't not only do it for us they do it for a few other companies okay right so but interior on the basement uh we do we do the 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 rough plumbing, usually the fourth to the fifth day, depending. So breaking, You're breaking concrete. concrete. Yep. Yeah,
1: because there's no way that it's in the, where it's supposed to be. No. So we're yeah.
0: breaking concrete, uh, doing the rough pl- plumbing, calling in the inspection right away. When the inspector is coming, we're already our electricians are already booked, so they're doing the rough electrical. Um, then right after that, we go into HVAC,
1: where. Okay, so hang on a sec on the plumbing. You still have to get up to the main floor and tie you in your vent.
0: No, yeah, but the vents always come down to the uh, to the uh, to the basement as well. No, you but just tie into the vents that are coming, um, that are coming from the stacks. Okay, so w- are we talking about a basement that has a rough
1: assembly already set up, or are we talking about a basement that doesn't have any rough assembly whatsoever in the basement?
0: Generally, even and we have to we ha- we had to cut into the main floor. Not the main
1: floor. So we all know that if you run a vent, you have to run a vent for any plumbing fixture in the basement. Mm -hmm. That vent has to be above the water table Mm -hmm. on the main floor. Mm -hmm. So you have to tie it in either above your vanity or above your sink in your kitchen. Correct. So those are the only two spots, or laundry if you have a laundry on the main floor. So either one, all three of those, depending on the geography of the basement, Mm -hmm. you have to somehow get a pipe upstairs and then put a T and connect it to, and that's your vent that's connecting to technically a wet vent. That's not at that point going to the
0: attic. Most of the, most of the vents that are going to connect to the, the first floor and even higher than that, you, they do also exist in the basement. So that's already a pre-existing. It's already a pre-existing vent. Okay. Right. All right. So we tie into those in maybe a few basements. We had to tie into the vents into the first floor. Um, but that's it, it just remains like if you go to the kitchen, yeah.
1: you're damaging backsplash. If you go to the laundry, you're damaging drywall. If you go to the uh, powder room, you're damaging drywall. You have to make a hole to make a cut in the T, right? Correct. You have to. Yeah, but
0: that has only been in maybe four or five basements. Okay. Right? Four or five basements, out of all of them that we've done, we actually had to go to the first floor. Okay. Most of them, you can find a vent existing in the, in the basement already. Okay. Um, so we could tie into that vent the city inspector is coming again after HVAC. After HVAC, the city inspector is coming. Then depends. We generally, the only time we would call the, um, call the inspector after that again is if they're spray foaming. Otherwise, we love doing basement wrap insulation. We will replace the existing insulation with basement wrap pre-framing. Um, that way, all the, your vapor barrier is behind your studs. Right. What's the basement basement wrap? You talking the basement wrap insulation versus
1: the building code wrap? The R twenty full wall with yeah the four fifty the (laughs) four foot whatever wide insulation bat four Four foot
0: by fifty feet wrap. Yeah. So it's already with vapor barrier
1: attached. So, but that's generally the code, or if it's an older house, it's only done for the top. Correct. Feet.
0: Right. So generally, if it's an older house, you'll only find R eight. Done for the, the top four feet. Yeah. So
1: now that you guys are building a new structure in the basement, you have to abide by the new rules now. Correct. So mm-hmm. we're going to R
0: twenty. Okay. So are
1: you keeping that roll on? Or are you? It taking depends it down? It
0: what the customer wants to pay for. We have different like back to our sandwich board. We can add up to R twenty. So all that means is adding insulation to that current basement wrap. Secondly, removing that basement wrap and replacing it completely with brand new basement wrap on the top and on the bottom um that would be the second option. but you guys
1: do know that you can't add insulation in front of that
0: in front of what
1: of that four foot roll of insulation wrap
0: not true so you no, no hang on I'm, i didn't
1: finish yeah. you, you have to cut open the vapor. Correct.
0: yeah as long as you don't have two vapor barriers you're fine exactly so you have you 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 basically cut slits right through correct. it and then you add to that correct right yeah. so whether it's r8 then you add an r12 whether it's R12, you can add an R12 or an R8, yeah. depending on which basement. Well, way basement, you, to you have to
1: get an R24, I think. Right? R20. R20? Is the minimum code. Okay, yeah.
0: yeah. R20 is the minimum code. The, that's the, so, generally, we'll do that pre framing so that the, it passes the inspection. So, the insulation inspection, the framing inspection will pass right with the framing inspection. What is the R value of that wrap? The R value. Is R8? The original? Yeah. Depending on how old the home is. Sometimes you'll find R8 on the wall. Sometimes you'll find R12 on the wall. Okay. And if you go really pre-1950, you won't find anything no, on the wall. there's nothing on it, right? There's nothing. So if no. you're leaving it
1: up and you're adding, you got to meet to R20, then yep. you're just going to add a bat that's going to be R12 or whatever. R12. But then you're going to add another bat on the bottom of it. And then we'll vapor, double it at the bottom. Yeah, and vapor barrier the whole Correct. thing at that point.
0: But generally, if we, what we would rather do is just run another basement wrap at the bottom and just cut, the, cut the vapor barrier... Add to the top, vapor barrier to the top. Okay. So that it's all behind the, uh, this, like it's all behind the studs. Oh, so you're still putting that, but then the bats are not going in between the studs?
1: No. Oh, so you guys are doing the 4x8 sheet of R-something. Sorry? R-12. You're doing a 4x8 insulation sheet. 4x50 insulation roll. Uh, th- what's our value on that? R-12? 20. R-20. Correct. On top of that.
0: On top of that. Okay. So that's, that, that keeps the, the heat locked to, uh, like, the that keeps the cold locked to that cement wall, rather than bringing it in front of the studs, and now you have, you know, the cold actually touching the studs, right? And touching any type of plumbing that we want to run through the studs, or touching any type of electrical, or, you know, uh, giving the little spots where the tuck tape will never perfectly tape around the electrical box. So, let me ask you, um, I'm not a fan of that wrap. Why?: um,
1: Because it gets compressed when you secure it to a concrete wall. Mm-hmm. Insulation doesn't do anything when it's compressed, mm-hmm. at all. Yeah So um, if you're adding another roll on the bottom, how are you affixing that to the concrete wall? You're compressing it, right?
0: No, no, no. So well, how the top and on the bottom, staple. You're basically using an inch and a half nail right into it.
1: An inch and a half nail into, yeah. the, concrete. into the concrete. So you're hammering the Same way the...
0: No, no, no. It's done by a... It's like a staple almost. It's not a staple. It's done by it's a... shooting a, thing. A, I'm not that... Can't remember. Just off the top so, of my so head. So the
1: insulation is not compressed at all? No. What about it, the second roll? Because you're saying that you, you apply all the insulation before you apply the studding. Correct. Right? So I'm trying to figure out how you're not compressing
0: any point of that insulation. So that's how the... So it goes from the top down yes four feet you're securing up and down yes right on the metal on the bottom part how are you securing it the same way you have an inch and a half nail shot right into the uh into the concrete okay so i'm getting lost at the inch and a half nail yeah so
1: insulation needs to be a minimum three to three and a half inches
0: correct thick correct
1: so how are you securing a collapsible material to an inch and a half and not compressing it
0: so you are you are basically so, at the bottom where the vapor barrier is, you have the metal. No, the roll the is four feet wide. Correct. Yeah. But right at the top of the bottom, you have a metal wire. Okay. Right? So, you're shooting into that wire. So, that's holding it. And then the oh, bottom. So, it's just a drape. It's just hanging there. It's just hanging there. Yeah. It's okay. not, it's, the insulation's not attached to it. Okay. And then at the bottom sheet she goes above that, gets taped, and then shot at the bottom again. Okay. Right? Then Shot then to frame. the
1: basement, fl- the concrete floor?
0: Right to the concrete floor. Well, right at the edge of the concrete floor. Okay. Right? So that's what's holding that to the, to the wall.
1: Aren't the edges of that roll tapered?
0: Sorry. The edges so the
1: top are of the roll and the bottom of the roll, yeah. it's wrapped in a plastic vapor barrier, correct?
0: It's uh, adhered to a plastic vapor barrier. Yeah. It's open on the other side. It's open on the other okay. side. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's open. So the the insulation portion goes right to the concrete.
1: Yeah okay yeah. and then in front of that no you guys aren't adding it It depends you'll just build in the one that's missing yeah and then you'll add this new one and you're basically correct. hanging in like a drape correct and then you're building your wall in front of it correct so you're sacrificing three and a half inches just not to put the insulation in between the studs you know um, we could do that too but
2: here's the thing like just to elaborate a little bit more a lot of times when that conversation comes down we're switching a lot to spray foaming like we we personally believe spray foaming has a better result than both of those combined, because spray foaming will close any gaps or any cracks in the concrete or anything like that. And then you could, when you're framing, you can go as close to the concrete wall as you want. Then
0: But even spray foaming, you need to leave a two inch. Uh, you need to leave a two inches off the wall to form a per- perfect vapor seal. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, so whether whether you're whether you're framing, in in a basement, you do like personally speaking. And just from experience, I don't want my studs touching that concrete wall ever because no. there's no vapor seal. No. Well, it's thermal bridging. Correct. Right. So you've got a porous
1: material concrete with mm-hmm. another porous material, the wood, mm-hmm. and you're wicking material, moisture from the concrete to the wood. Mm-hmm. Correct. So separating is fine. Yeah. I'm just looking at it like, why not just build your framing and then insulate it and then vapor barrier in front of that wall? You could do that too, but
2: then you'll have to use rock wool, which is an R14, not an R20.
0: Oh, you could put an R20 pink bat insulation. Okay, but
1: you already have R8. So if you have the wrap on it, you have R8. You wrap in another R8 on the bottom. You're building a wall against that R8. You make all the slits in that R8 wrap. Then you put your bats inside the studs. You save yourself your three and a half inches of that wall being pulled forward. That's, re- that's the only reason why I'm asking that, right? So normally Just what I've done is... I think it's three and a half I've, inches. I don't I, think it's three I've and a half inches. I've ripped off I the, r- the wrap. I've ripped off the wrap because I've never been a fan of it because of the way every so often there's a concrete nail puncturing it, sandwiching it, squishing it, damaging it. It doesn't serve a purpose. And then all of a sudden you rip that off and you start from scratch. I leave it an inch away from the wall, from the concrete, because you don't want thermal bridging. And then I bat it. I bat it or I spray foam it, right? Mm-hmm. But you're supposed to leave two inches from the wall. No.
0: Every inspector that I've talked to.
1: It's a separation. That's all it is, right? Because you yeah. have to, I do it as a one inch because sometimes it'll become a one and a half or two or whatever, depending on the plumbness of the concrete wall. Yep. Right? So it's, it's serving dual purpose mm-hmm. because the concrete's not perfectly plumb and yeah. you have to leave a gap, right? Yeah. So now that's if it's spray foam mm-hmm. because they don't want, they want that, they want to stop the thermal bridging. Yeah. But if you're going bad, it doesn't matter. As long as you're protecting that wood and it's not touching the concrete. I've never heard any inspector tell me two inches. I could be wrong yeah. with the OBC. I don't know. I haven't done a basement in a while because the cost comes up, and I say I'm not interested. I'm Especially
0: not the if you're fray f- spray foaming, you need two inches of continuous foam. Well, th-
1: so there's yeah, so there's the the, the transfer right. So yeah. I did a I did a basement where we had a concrete pad porch, mm-hmm. and then obviously we had to build down the ceiling to add our R31 that we needed to. Yeah. Right. So the inspector said, as long as I have a minimum of one inch separation between that concrete and that stud, you know, that joist or whatever, because mm-hmm. they were two by six studs to get our, we were getting uh, almost six inches now at that point. Okay. That's where we were getting our R31. So, so he went minimum we one inch. We went one inch and he was fine with that. Okay. He signed. All he cared about is that, and technically speaking, you have blocking every so often mm-hmm. because you have to adhere it somehow. Yeah. Right. So there is that little bit of a sacrificial kind of point contact. Yeah right so i i could be all different but then again it's also minister there's different everybody's got their own rules right yep. so you you build it in Toronto, you build it in a you build it in north it doesn't matter everyone's got their own thing so i don't know for sure right i just say now that i've never been a fan of that rap because oh. it, it it solves a building code priority mm-hmm. it doesn't solve a building envelope yeah in my opinion i think it creates more problems because now you have to adhere connect the other one you have to make sure that it's exactly that far away so mm-hmm. then you're not compressing the insulate that's why i'm not a fan there's too many variables to make it
0: crap the reason that i'm a, fa- a huge fan of it is because it keeps the vapor barrier behind the studs and that i think it's which is more
1: important than i agree with you on that
0: it's very important because, because to then keep now the you can barrier. run all
1: your mechanical through the walls yep and you can do that, and you don't have to worry about sealing all the electrical boxes or any terminations going through all that stuff.
0: Yeah. Further, all your moisture hopefully will stay on the on the For sure. warm side. For sure. Yeah. Right. All your woods on the warm side of the insulation. Yeah. Right. That's what I really like. And let's, let's be honest. No matter how well you decide to tape around electrical boxes around it's protrusions, not it's not perfect. It's going to be penetrated. Yeah. So when you have your drywall going up. It's never going to be, you're never going to cut perfectly around oh, an electrical it's box. Impossible. It's just impossible. Yeah. So I would rather have my, uh, my, uh, my wrap on, like, I would rather have my vapor barrier on the cold side. I yeah. would rather have my studs on the warm side. I agree. So and that's why I really love the basement, like the, the, the basement wrap. The only thing I would recommend over and above the basement wrap is spray foam, right? Uh, that's, I mean, that's the best, but customer's budget needs to be there. Right. I'm, I'm just bringing it up
1: because customers are always picky about space because mm-hmm. you already lose space yep. because of the foundation thickness, mm-hmm. right? So Correct. it's it, technically speaking, yeah, you are the same square footage as the main floor, but you're not because your walls are already coming in 10-inch mm-hmm. concrete block or yep. whatever it is, right? Yep. They're already coming in an extra four inches. And now yep. you're adding another four. You're adding the three inches for your, your insulation wrap. Mm-hmm. Then you're adding another three and a half for
0: your, your studying, right? So I think R20, and I was trying to look at it, because when you say three and a half inches, I'm really thinking about it. The insulation, when it's open. Yeah, but I think a basement wrap R20 only sits at about two and a two and a quarter.
1: Could be. I'm not exactly sure, right?
0: And we would leave that space, whether we were spray foaming or uh, wrapping.
1: Okay. But now you're still bringing... The wall forward because now you're correct. putting the wrap in front of that one to correct. get your r20 correct so even so if if an r8 or whatever you're saying r20 or r8 is two and a half r r20 r20 is eight, about uh, two, two and a and quarter okay so then yeah. you got two and a quarter there right correct but clients
0: love their space especially they in a basement they do but at this point it's all about education right would would you would they rather have their basement last 20 years or would they rather have that wood be on the cold side and have a possibility of being exposed to more moisture than it needs to. That's true. So that's where the education uh, piece really comes into play. So what are you guys doing on the concrete floor itself? On the concrete floor? Yeah. Well, it all depends. So our goal, uh, we like to use vinyl products on the floor, um, all types of luxury vinyl. Uh, We want to go directly to the floor. Why? And the reason being is because two vapor barriers will create moisture. Right, the the most of the vinyl products seal fairly well if you really look at it, and if you're running if you're running any type of polystyrene based uh, uh, under underlayment, then you're you're going to have moisture issues there, right? And that I've seen all over doing a lot of restoration, right? The only other thing that works better than that is dry core, or Going with like a DMX membrane and then OSB on top of it. That would be for warmth, right? But we have, we do a lot to try and bring the heat to the floor. We drop the mechanical vents. We drop them all the way to the floor. In some municipalities, they are important. In some municipalities, they're not important.
1: Well, you guys realize, I think it's, I don't know exactly what the percentage is, but 60% of a home's heat loss is coming from the basement concrete slab. Mm -hmm. So why are you not? stopping that heat loss like you're you're relying on the vinyl the vinyl flooring Mm -hmm. to do that right
0: correct so the vinyl flooring does have uh generally an underlayment attached to it
1: so your vinyl flooring is only being cut a half inch away from your studded walls
0: our vinyl flooring is going right to the the uh, right to the drywall yeah you don't have to space it so right to the wall right to the drywall yeah yeah
1: but there's a gap, remember. So you've got your insulation, mm-hmm. then you've got your second row of insulation, then mm-hmm. you've got your framing, and mm-hmm. then you've got your vinyl. Yes. So there's a gap there. There's going to be a corner baseboard gap of penetration of
0: coldness coming through. Sorry, maybe I'm not seeing where the corner baseboard gap is. You got a
2: track there, right? There's a track that's sitting on the floor too, where the stud goes in. There's a there's a, a stud, truck. a metal track.
0: Yeah. Either a metal track, or you know, or you have a um, uh, or you have like a foam layer with a stud right on the concrete floor.
1: Well, okay, so yeah, first of so all, so where's your gap?
0: Okay, y- yeah, any bottom plate has mm-hmm. to sill Correct. has to sit on a Correct. gasket on a mm-hmm. gasket, right? Yep.
1: So then you're saying that that gasket, uh, okay, if you're going a two by four stud, you're using a six inch, five and a half inch gasket. It's a five and a half inch gasket. Okay, yeah. so now that vinyl flooring is going to get put on top of that gasket.
0: No, the or vinyl it- flooring. So you have your your uh, bottom plate, you have your drywall, which is a half an inch, and the vinyl's touching that drywall. So the vinyl's touching right to the drywall. Okay, so are you guys
1: trying to understand what I'm talking about here? Are you tuck taping that vinyl mm-hmm. to the stud, the bottom plate, or the no. sill gasket? No. So that's your penetration. Correct. I, I see what you're saying now. So 60% of your heat loss in a house is mm-hmm. coming from your basement concrete slab. Mm-hmm. So that's why the way I've done it, yep. and it's still in 15 years, uh, I've always done one-inch minimum shiplap SM, okay. yep. or I've used Groove SM, mm-hmm. or you used like an Amvic product. I've done dry core before as well too. I haven't done the DMX whatever. Yep. But the whole point is that you have to seal, and I've connected it to the walls. Because okay. now the walls are cold, the basement slab is cold, yep. and all that cold is sta- It's a cooler. Mm-hmm. But the way you guys are describing okay. right now, that whole perimeter base of the sill, of the all the t- bottom plates, Yeah. there's a, a gap there. That's why I'm asking, are you tuck taping? No. So, there's so a, not. there there's, is a gap there. So there is a hole there, right? Yes. So that's what I'm saying is if you were to build a subfloor, Yeah, Uh, it also give you the opportunity to basement concrete slabs. None of them are poured correctly. Mm -hmm. They're given to the guy that works on Fridays, Mm -hmm. and so it's like you have to do some self leveling. I even run to the point where I've grinded down concrete because Mm -hmm. you've got too much of a high point. Yep. So then, then I put the SM. I put that all down right to the foundation wall. Mm -hmm. Then I put my subfloor down, generally a five eighths. I tap con each sheet. And then I connect that to the framing on top of that. My whole purpose behind that is that the cold is all on the
0: cold, on all three sides. 100% and I would love to do, that, do it that way if people were willing to pay for that.
1: But there's no point in doing something. So if you're 100,000 or 120,000 mm-hmm. and then you have that gap. So what's going to happen is you are going to get moisture building up in
0: that corner point. So this is where, this is where we really and actually... Almost ninety five percent, maybe ninety eight percent of our mechanical is dropped as close as possible to the floor. Okay, so your airflow actually comes from the bottom. Okay, so uh, the other theory now—not
1: theory—that's actual factual. Mm-hmm. Um, you lose ten percent of your heat for every elbow you throw into a run.
0: Correct, unless the elbows is pro- properly sealed.
1: You're taping every elbow. It's a fr- it's a it's. Air has a path of least resistance. So the moment that you give it a bend, Mm -hmm. you lose 10% of that heat. Okay. So whatever the temperature is coming from the furnace, and now it goes down a pipe or a duct or something like that, hits a corner, hits a Y, hits whatever, you're losing the calculations. So now by coming from the ceiling and then going to the wall and then Mm -hmm. coming down and throwing another one, you're adding two extra elbows there. So Mm -hmm. that heat run, depending on whatever it is starting from, it's already losing 20% more of the heat by the time it gets to the bottom adding the heat on the, the lower part of the basement doesn't make the basement warmer preventing the cold from entering the basement makes the basement warmer
2: can so, i can i kind of talk about go, that? For sure so our elbows aren't the natural elbows that you see with the normal ductwork. it's basically when our guys are dropping the vents it's custom sheet metal from the top to bottom okay it's a sheet metal drop it's a vertical sheet metal in the stud so it's in the 16 on center I show you a picture of it, but
1: there's still an elbow.
0: There's an elbow on the top. You're
1: correct. There's an elbow on the bottom for it to come out. No, no it's a vertical cut.
2: A so it's a vertical drop,
0: like that. So we're doing, we're doing, we're Air doing. takes
1: the least least path of resistance. So air's coming down. Yep, mm-hmm. goes down. Correct. It goes down. Correct. It doesn't naturally do this. You have to force it to do this.
0: Correct. So the so the way you can you can avo- uh, avoid that is end the rectangular duct right at the right where you want it. So we use a rectangular duct. So it's a three. Three and a half, uh, three and a quarter, actually, by ten inch duct. So, are
1: you not because you guys are permitting this, right? So, yep. that every city, as far as I know, requires a, your heat loss calculation. So, you're redesigning the HVAC. Not every city. No,
0: not every city. Uh,
1: the moment that I you think change, the only
0: one we have actually had to do a heat ca- loss calculation in is uh, no. Let me in Monaha
1: Let me correct that. You have to rework a HVAC design. Mm.
0: Not, not. A, they're not asking for it. If a, you are just bringing the duct to the, uh, if you're just extending the ducts, they're asking for it when actually only on a furnace move. They on a ask. furnace move, they'll ask for it yep. if we're planning to move the furnace.
1: So the moment you add a walkout yep, and you're adding other windows, larger windows, they're you, not asking. you have to calculate the heat loss Correct. because now you're adding a door there, yep. which is losing heat. Mm-hmm. And same with the windows now. It's a legal dwelling. So at some point, you guys are adding an egress window correct
0: yes or so, an escape window yeah but
1: minimum 10 square feet yeah right so that's larger so now that's factory and heat loss so you have you ha- you have to do it heat loss Sorry, calculation. where
0: did you get the minimum 10 square feet from
1: for egress for fire code not necessarily you need five square feet to exit that that building so the, Secondary. So the
0: minimum the minimum window you can use is a 32 by 32 turn and tilt you you you're you're achieving that
1: tilt and turn window Tur- tilt and turn yes but most people will choose a slider, which double is a slider slide by, lift Yeah, exactly. So now you still have the bare minimum to exit that place. Correct. Correct. Yes. So but a tilt and turn window is going to cost twice as much as a slider two by five. He, it will.
0: It depends on, it depends on how, how much you're digging and waterproofing the exterior of that too, right?
1: I don't want to follow you. So
0: when you're cutting in a new window on the, on the exterior side, you're digging right to the weeping tile... You're uh, connecting a drain, mm-hmm. you're extending a, um, a, wa- a window, well. window well, you're waterproofing a foot on either side of that window well. So it all depends. The larger the window you put, right? Yes, a double slider lift out is cheaper than a turn and tilt. However, if you're looking at the, the, the size of the window and comparing it to the size of the dig, and then going further from that to try and waterproof one foot on each side of that window and now connecting that bigger hole all the way to the weeping tile, the costs are negligible.
1: Sure. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, But I'm still of the mind that because you're adding the door mm-hmm. and you're adding a, a fire rated legal exit point as a mm-hmm. secondary, yep. you have to do a heat loss calculation because you are changing the volume of air that's being used to heat and cool the dwelling yes it's affecting the upstairs so you can't which was a lot of people that do basements yeah. we'll just teed off of here and we'll just teed off no. of here and we'll add a vent here because there's a door if we add the vent there mm-hmm. so you have to redo the hvac design also factoring in the main and the second floor so there has to be an hvac design submitted as part of the permit
0: so there approval. is only one municipality that we have worked in to date that has asked for that and toronto, that's all the way toronto doesn't ask for it. nope Vaughn doesn't ask for it.
1: Both properties that I've done in Vaughn, both of them ask for it.
0: Pull up my. Uh, I can pull up. If my, they change uh, things and they're not asking for it, I'm surprised. They're, they're making it easier now, it. by the way. They they made it a lot easier. It's actually very interesting. In Edmonton, for example, uh, if you do a, se- a legal basement or a secondary suite in Edmonton, they're asking for a whole new furnace just for the basement. That used to be the case here. Yeah. And then uh, that was my
1: understanding too. But then the OBC changed it that you can still mm-hmm. use the same furnace to heat both dwellings. Yeah. Right. But you still have to adhere through fire stops. Yes. That's a fact. Yeah. Right. So that's the other thing too, right? So you got to be conscious of what's running through the basement f- ceiling, mm-hmm. which is the main floor floor. Mm-hmm. There's lots of mechanical running through that. And that has to stay on the upper floors mm-hmm. dwelling, not on the basement floors dwelling. You follow yes. me? Yeah. So technically speaking, if you've got a dryer vent mm-hmm. going through a joist cavity on the ceiling of a basement floor, yep. uh, the ceiling of the, the basement, right? Um, you have to double five-eighths around that joist because that's your fire stop.
0: So, yeah. So below the joist. They're okay. not asking anymore to double five-eighths around the, the top of the joist. That's a fire code. Correct. They're asking to do it below. So they're just
1: putting right below it. Correct. But then also the ceiling has to have either double fire,
0: which is rated X double five eights are only asked for in dwellings less than five years old right so you're looking at which um, the ST, the ST rating and the FFR rating yeah. right so it depends the OBC uh, the OBC has many 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 different ratings of walls depending on the municipality you have to meet and depending actually on the age of the home so homes younger than five years old have a stricter light requirement as well as a stc requirement as well as an ffr requirement than homes older than five years old so you're
1: saying that newer homes don't they require all these things they require more than the older older homes homes. correct yeah but my experience has been that the older homes have all required this stuff it's a so pain in the ass trust me just, it is that's it why is. i keep on going back to that word legal
0: correct so double five eights drywall is not required in homes uh that are older than five years old and actually in milton for example they're they're not even asking for five eights uh in in uh homes older than five uh, five years old you can meet it under the i want to say fc8 or fc fc6
1: okay so hang on a sec you realize that that double layer of rated x drywall is not for fire it's for sound
0: the furring channels make more stay on the mic sorry the furring channels make more um uh, the the furring channels separate the the sound more than the double five eights in my um opinion this is based on OBC. so you're supposed to put one
1: layer of rocks all correct correct. whatever the rock wall rock was in the joist cavity Mm yeah either one layer of resilient channel and one layer drywall or Mm -hmm. no resilient channel and double layer drywall staggered that
0: meets sound requirements. Correct. So, um, when we are, when we are looking at permitting basements, we look at the requirements, whether it meets FC six or FC eight or the age of the house really matters in that. So, Um, I don't understand how that works
1: because it's all new construction in the basement. So then all new construction has to adhere to all new
0: building codes. Correct. But there is a separation between homes that are older than five years old and homes that are uh, younger than five years old. This is new to me. For example, we just permitted one in Ajax. Um, Because the home is younger than five years, it's actually four and a half years. The light requirement in a living dining space was 10%. If I show you a picture of the size of the windows that I had to put in there, you would think they're almost equal to upstairs. And actually, that project was really funny because we took that project from another contractor who had done it without a permit. The town had come in and put a stop on the project. We had to literally tear down all the work that was done and redo it from scratch. The homeowner had then got also a permit, which didn't make any sense, so we redid, we did a revision to that permit, and now are almost through the entire building. So we took, um, the homeowner had a two-bedroom uh, built, unpermitted. We, we brought that down. Uh, we took the one-bedroom permit that he was allowed, made it a two-bedroom permit, which is what he really wanted, and the light requirement, because it's younger than five years old, needed to be 10 percent of the square footage so his living dining space was 180 square feet so we had to have 18 square feet of windows in that little room
1: but you realize that that window is not a fire or sound or egress or anything like that it is just luminosity that they need natural light to come into the dwelling yes that's all it is
0: correct so homes above five years old For a living dining, only require 5%. And for a bedroom, requires 2.5%.
1: So the first thing that's going to happen is all the submarine windows in a basement are all going to go away. Yeah. I keep reverting back to that word legal. Correct. That's what people, homeowners, don't understand. 100%. And I could honestly say that the moment you want it truly to be legal, it's a bare minimum twice the cost.
0: Bare minimum. Bare minimum.
1: Bare minimum. Right. That's just... And that's a fact. So if you think your basement because you watched HGTV is 50 grand, that basement's 100 grand before we even start talking about finishes and stuff like that. Yes. 100%. So that's why I was asking you guys, how are you having that conversation? Because I'm too old and I'm mm-hmm. too fed up to educate <laughs> homeowners on that level. You, that's what I, that's where I come to, from. If you want legal, <laughs> you want legal, I'll talk to you about legal. Yeah. But if you really don't want legal, then go talk to
0: somebody else. So the legal... So this is the thing. So this is where... So this is where the education of the customers really comes into play. Uh, the provincial government has to step up their their enforcement. They won't. They won't. But they.
1: We're on our own. Yeah, we're. On I our know own. of somebody else. I was talking to a, a retired old building code consultant out of Cambridge, and he actually has been working on trying to develop a package to properly build legal basement dwellings yep. as per the code. Yep. Right. So, and that's what when when I had him on the show and we got talking a lot of stuff about the code and basement dwellings, because those, the basement dwelling is the actual, the biggest thing when it comes to the first and second. That's basically you just follow the rules and you're all good. But when it comes to basement, there's so many things that you have to be conscious of. That, and and then there's the fire, then there's a a tenant, all this other shit, right? Mm -hmm. He started talking about nobody's ever developed a pamphlet, a booklet that homeowners could. Go online, review, understand, and get a better idea of what needs to be done properly. Nobody's created this.
0: Yes, and it probably would be important to create, but until the the actual provincial government steps up and regulates who can build a legal dwelling and who cannot build a legal dwelling, they won't care. Because if you go, uh, if you just type in basement, uh, build basement apartment Mississauga, you will find tons of contractors not licensed by the oh, city I of Mississauga it. I believe it. Brampton even worse Toronto even worse Kitchener Kitchener has a licensing process why is it not being enforced so the the contractors that are insuring their businesses in order to meet the city requirements yeah. of Kitchener obtaining the license from the city uh, from the town of well, city of Kitchener now um, it doesn't make a difference now here's the thing. What happens if I build a a project and I'm not licensed to build that project? The fine's $500. Not
1: if you're in Toronto. Sorry? Not if you're in Toronto. If
0: you're in Toronto, $545. I'll show it to you. You don't require a license to be a GC in Toronto. You do require a license to be a building renovator in Toronto. Not a GC. If you're renovating buildings. Unless they change something. They did change something. So in Toronto, you not only require to take an examination... To be a GC, to be a renovator, a building renovator, you need to take an examination before you are awarded a uh, a business license to build. Uh, when to was be, when was this changed? Many, 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 many years ago. No. I can pull it up right now. No, it wasn't.
1: Because that's the reason why you had so many people building in Toronto because other municipalities were asking for that. I know Hamilton does it for free. Hamilton is another test. Yeah, you can't actually submit a permit application as a GC unless you actually are licensed. Toronto, you don't need it. The other
2: misconception of these legal basements, one of the other things I want to bring about is a lot of the inquiries that we get is a guy saying, I have a finished basement and I want to just convert it into a legal basement. So. That In makes order- no sense. Correct. But when you tell them that you have to pretty much demolish the whole thing and build from scratch, they do not understand that. And there's contractors that cater to those people because they don't even understand. What that permit. say?
1: I don't know.
0: City of Toronto, building renovator license is required for all businesses that provide services to repair or renovate buildings and structures, including any business that advertises renovation services.
1: When was it implemented?
0: I believe... 1998, I believe. Hold on. I've never heard of that.
1: I've built so many structures, and I know so many GCs that are not licensed. So this is the problem. no enforcing. There's no enforcement. So here's the other argument I have. How many people have a driver's license? Sorry? How many people have a driver's license? Good question. Good question. A lot. How many accidents are caused every single day? But they have a driver's license.
0: So, my, But my question is, what happens if we allow everybody to come into this country and drive without a driver's license? Would there be more accidents or less? That I don't know. Right. Correct. Now, our insurance I mean, my, rates, my
1: point is that having a license doesn't make you a better contractor or worse contractor. But
0: it does mitigate the fact that at least you'll have a $2 million insurance policy. You already have that as a business
1: owner, regardless. Not necessarily. Oh, no. Uh, everybody I know, you have liability. You can't walk into a structure without doing any work, without giving to your client your certificate of insurance. We so, give it, but so, so many people don't even have No, that. I know that. So many people don't give it. Somebody, so many people don't even give their
0: WSIB certificate. So but many but people I, don't even have that. WSIB. I know, I understand there that. There are tons. On Kijiji, I could pull up right now, and I, we could but just... But that's how they're making money. But That's the thing. So how do you compete without the... Education, but this is where the problem is. It's not
1: the, okay, so that's no. I, my problem is the homeowner, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it starts with the homeowner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the misunderstanding that a basement legal dwelling yep. costs X when yep. it doesn't, it mm-hmm. costs. X times three, correct. Mm -hmm. So it starts with the homeowner. The homeowner is the one that's going to the Kijiji places. The homeowner is listening to other people saying, "I could do this for this much." All this other shit. The homeowner is not asking that person for their Wsib, their liability insurance, all this other shit. Yeah. So it's like it starts with the homeowner, and then the industry has allowed it to take advantage of that. So they walk in and sell a basement for fifty, and that's how you get that neighbor in that situation. Correct. Mm -hmm. But I mean, realistically, you and I, we all know that you do a basement dwelling. It's a thousand square feet. It's six figure budgets. Mm-hmm. Like that's just. Bottom line, it's low six-figure budgets. If you're talking five-figure, then there's something that you're not doing correctly. Mm -hmm. 100%. And there's lots of ways in a basement to cheat, Mm -hmm. to avoid doing things properly. And then it could fail, but it's going to fail way beyond your days of being a contractor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've never had a single failure because I've always tried to do things and learn other ways of doing things and how it's best. But there is a general basic building envelope that, that I adhere to, right? Yeah. Am I a fan of spray foam only? No, not anymore because based on my knowledge, I'm a fan of a hybrid system. Yeah. I'm more of a fan of a bat or a cellulose and stuff like that, but then you have to do certain things. At one point, I was doing blue studs because I wanted to use yeah. blue studs, right? Yeah. Was it worth it? No, I've never done a basement with any metal studs. Mm-hmm. I've done sometimes bulkheads in metal studs mm-hmm. because it's easier to build that way, mm-hmm. right? But the majority of it has been wood.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's, there's a bunch of things. So I still blame the homeowner, Mm -hmm. because whenever I meet them and they say that word legal, then my experience and my knowledge comes in and I tell them exactly what's going to be, but they don't want to hear it. 100% they don't want to hear it. We're pretty honest about it too.
2: Um, The problem is the competition or somebody else skirts their way around that conversation, gets them for X, once they get their deposit, turns them to Y. And for for example, a lot of inquiries I take where I hear these horror stories and the homeowner is venting out to me. Yet, even if I can educate him with all that, he's still going to go back to that, which is the sad part. He's going back to that because it's offered on the table. It's go- he's, he's entertaining that energy. So he's saying, I have this problem with this person. And when you're saying, sir, that's not a problem. The, the contractor just charged you 30 grand for the framing and electrical. He, he didn't tell you that's the complete basement, which you thought it was or whatever the conversation was. And a lot of these contracts, they don't even have a legal contract. It's a Word document. So
1: I'm not picking a fight,
0: right? No, 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 no. Hey,
1: not at all. The whole show is like about discussion, right? So everybody builds differently as long as we care about everything and how it's supposed to be done. Trust me. And we all know that you learn as you go and you try something new. Like, trust me, 14 years ago, I was, you know, spray foam. I loved it. It was perfect. There's faults. There's so many faults with spray foam. Uh, You need a proper installer. You need a properly educated installer. You need the right site conditions. You need to make sure that you're doing all of your reports on every single batch. There's a bunch of variables. I've told people over and over on the show, it is the only product in construction that is produced on site. Everything else is delivered on site already completed. Correct. So you have to have the perfect conditions. And then we're in Canada, so we get cold conditions. You can't shoot spray foam on cold foundation walls it creates a problem right Mm -hmm. i've given up listen i've done 300 plus shows i've done enough builds i've done enough projects and i've spoken to thousands of contractors through social media and all this other shit we are on our own yeah do not expect the government to do shit for you Mm -hmm. unless you are a huge builder a -hmm. huge track builder a huge high-rise builder Mm -hmm. you're a small fish Mm-hmm. You're, you, you guys are like us. Everybody's the same. We're on the same boat here. Yeah. They don't give a fuck about us. Yeah. Yeah. They never will. They want to try to enforce. Go ahead. My mindset is just build the best you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ignore the jokers that are trying to take advantage of clients in the system and mm-hmm. doing right. things for a certain dollar value and all this other shit. We already know that we're underpaid mm-hmm. for the service that we provide. Yeah. And just tell the client. I encourage you to go look for two other versions of Assured Basements. Mm -hmm. Get a quote from them. Because if you find somebody else that has the right insurances, WSIB, all this other stuff, legitimate stuff, right? <laughs> you're all going to be in the same ballpark within 10 to 15 points at the max. 100%. You find Kijiji guys, it's going to be a 40 to 50% difference. Yes. That's a red flag. And all you're trying to do is educate it. But like I said, at the start of the show, I'm too old and fed up to deal with fucking stupid clients that think that I'm wrong and they're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The clients I've said it over and over and I don't give a shit. If this pisses them off. They are the dumbest person in the room when it comes to construction. Mm-hmm. They do not have the knowledge or the experience that we do
0: yes
1: i don't give a shit who you are yeah all right unless you are somebody i know that has built over and over and you are a client sure and i've seen your work sure yeah. but the majority of clients out there yeah. dumbest in the fucking room and they rely on their friends they rely on their family members and they rely on the four-letter word HDTV mm-hmm. and pinterest and house they don't rely on contractors mm-hmm. that's where i get my frustration they're not on-
2: honest either that's the other thing so a lot of it is they, they lie about a lot of their beliefs in order they just they to just to fish information. So we don't we don't give out our estimates or we don't give out our, our, our price lists. Nor what, you shouldn't. Yeah, we let them look at it for as long as they want, but we're not letting, we're not this show that we designed the basement, we did all the scope, we priced line by line by line, 40 line items, and you're just going to take that. It's for the integrity of the industry. I don't care about somebody's going to copy it, but what I don't want is a young kid coming up in the game trying to say, hey, I can copy what these guys did after hundreds of basements and I'm going to become this overnight. That's my problem. Because I know that's, gonna, that's only going to put a bitter taste in people's mouths. And if somebody's trying to knock you off, it still gets associated with your name. Because they can say it's something like a basements. basement.
1: Every young tradesperson that comes into the game and they want to start their own ship.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: all but, about more money first. Well, that's, that's how they think first. It's, it's they, kind of like they're, they're Anakin. Mm-hmm. All right? For any of you Star Wars fucking fanatics mm-hmm. out there. <laughs> the kids started off all right. -hmm. And then shit sort of happened, right? And Mm -hmm. then he became a bad guy, right? But Mm -hmm. then he came back to being a good guy. My point is that the kids will start out and and this is totally fine. Listen, all the jobs that I've done, not one job have I ever done cash, but I know a a bunch of contractors in the industry that do cash to still to this day. Mm -hmm. I don't find I'm not disrespectful of them. I don't look at them any lesser. I still respect the work that they do. They're doing it to keep their clients happy and to keep the work flowing. Mm -hmm. The problem is that uh, I bring up the Anakin is because you get a a point where you're a new kid on town, you're coming in and you start off, you don't have the insurances, you don't have the WSIB, you're trying to do things for cash and you're saving all this money and then you're making all this money too. But at some point you're going to have to decide either you're going to go to the dark side or you're going to go to the light side, right? And so you're going to go legit and Mm -hmm. your price is going to go up, Mm -hmm. and you're going to have all the certifications for all your trades that are working with you, Mm -hmm. or you're not going to, and you're going to continue going down that road, and then you're going to be the Kijiji person. Mm -hmm. So you choose on that. So I'm not worried about, I've never had the point where clients are asking me, well, this guy that I got a quote for was half your price. It's not a conversation for me. 100%. If you want to go with that route, then by all means, good luck. Nice to meet you guys. Thank you so much for the espresso, and I leave. That's it. So, so I'll, I'll elaborate more on that. And one of the things that we do on the discovery call is,
2: is we kind of we kind of, in a way, depending on the guy's taste, we we can make analogies. So, for example, what kind of car are you looking for? Are you looking for a Prius? Because that's not what we sell. We're selling Lexus, Infiniti, Acura, minimum. Yeah. So, one of the things we we anal- analogy give that one of the analogies we use is the QX60 van, right? Are you looking for the caravan or the one more loaded up? Yeah. Right. And the industry is full of cutting corners, even legitimate. Cu- you know, so-called contractors, where they'll cut some in the bathroom, some on the staircase. We don't do that. So we would do proper staircases, built properly, proper wood stained. None of that laminate, prefabricated stuff. None of those prefabricated Costco showers that are going to leak. Yeah, but the industry's full of that.
1: It's just how it is. Like I said, there's two paths, right? Yeah, yeah. So but that's why I mean, when you guys are doing a basement, what's the average cost for a thousand square foot basement? Depends. Do you tell more accurately, or you want to tell on the sales side on the
0: first end. So, m- more more accurately, you're looking at a minimum, uh, just a personal use p- uh, basement. Yeah. So, I, yeah,
1: and, and I'm not holding it to you because yeah, the thing yeah. is, so a thousand square foot basement, you're going to at least have a three piece bath. Correct. Correct. Whether that's going to be, uh, yeah. So it's it could be a tub shower, it could be a stand up shower, right? Then sure. you're going to have a vanity and a toilet. There's your three piece. No and problem. At all. And then and then all of a sudden you're going to have a kitchenette probably, right?
0: A kitchenette. Yes. Or a wet bar. So wet bar. when I say On kitchenette, no stove. No stove, correct.
1: Right? So that's why I call it a kitchenette, correct. right? Correct. Uh, so I know that some cities will say, listen, get rid of that word kitchenette, change it to bar. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you could put a sink in there, you could put a microwave in there. but techni- And trust me, I've done jobs where it's like we, we added an extra cabinet, we added a piece of stone, we popped it in, we passed, got the full, signed off. Bring in the stove, yeah. Right, it's just how it works. Or a hot so plate. I'm fine. I, whatever. But the homeowner signs off, of course, that there is no cooking of course. allowed. And right now, I'm not going to ministry jail. Right now, exactly. So gonna shit. Good luck on trying to find out which job that was. Correct. Right. So it doesn't matter. To <laughs> That's any. it. So you have that. Then you have a rec area, and yep. then you probably have a bedroom. Yep. Correct. And then you're closing off everything else.
0: So you're building that for about eighty-five dollars a square foot. That's kind of low,
1: no? It is low. That. So that's what the market is that's telling you that you have to be is, at. The market, the market, market is telling us
0: we have to be at $55 foot. a square foot.
2: I'm not kidding. You Google this right now. It's on Google. FAQs. Like, if you write on Google, like, one of the objections is, well, where'd you get your pricing from? Well, I like Googled average price. It's the most number one search term in Ontario in our industry is average cost to finish a basement in Ontario. I'm not kidding you. So we do analytics on Google, and uh, we talk to our SEO teams. The number one search term where people get this answer from, when you write this tongue called Google... This answer has been 55, 50 to $55 a square foot since the past eight years. It never factored in inflation, never factored in cost of living, never factored in anything. It says $55 since 2013.
1: So how does that work <laughs> when someone's doing a query into that? And it, is this people Ontario? Believe, this is Ontario. Ontario so, the answer, yeah,
0: oh yeah.
2: so one of the things I'll tell people is, do you believe everything you read on Google? Of course not. right? And they say, well, kind of. I'm like, so then I'll, once I've built enough rapport, I'll say, well, you know, let's say all these people go to, hell do you believe that no well if you write google it will give you the answer to that too of course all these type of people will go to hell right but a lot of people are naive and and they it's like they want to hear that they want to hear when a contractor sits that the contractor is making no money and they got the better end of the stick they just want to feel they got the better end of the stick not understanding that that they're not going to have the better end of the stick when they hire somebody like that because their basement is going to break.
1: Okay, but hang on. So so I'm going back to. So you guys are saying that it should be 85, but realistically, it should be 140. On a personal or legal? No, on personal, not even legal. Personal,
0: it should be about $100 a square foot.
1: Okay, and legal, 140?
0: Legal minimum.
1: That's still minimum low. Minimum,
0: 155, so one. So 1,000 square
1: foot, you're 165, 165,000. 140,000. Minimum. Not a legal dwelling, you're at 100,000, which I still think is low. Yeah. Right. So that's what I'm saying is how do you guys communicate with these clients? Because that's the thing. I just, I'll just walk away. Right. Mm-hmm. I used to know a guy passed away, but he was really funny. Whenever you ask him for something and you reach your hand out, he would drop the item before you actually grabbed it. Mm-hmm. Just to teach you a fucking lesson. Right. Mm-hmm. So at that point, when I get clients who are telling me this shit that they only pay 55000 for a product that's $140,000, mm-hmm. i will just drop this in, right in and walk away. Mm-hmm. That's it. I don't want to deal with clients like that. I'd rather just fight the battles, encourage them to hire two other or get a quote from two other that are similar, mm. and then understand that it should be 140.
0: But understand this, and this is probably more on Manip's side than mine, uh, even though I have, even after he sold it and people, people go and change their mind on what they want, and then I say, okay, now it'll cost this, and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Your salesman came to my house and promised me all this stuff. I'm like, well, my salesman gave you this estimate for this drawing. We have that very, now you want all this added. What makes you think you won't pay for it? Oh, it's changes. Oh, it should be thrown in. Oh, it's not. Not so much as I, I deal with emails from customers, long, lengthy emails about how a customer is entitled to change their mind. Mm-hmm and you guys should be aware of your reputation. You oh, go. oh, they the they, they, the threats with our reputation and it's so easy for a customer to go and write anything they want on Google home stars. or HomeStars or HomeStars or any other uh, uh, platform platform but we can't review them. And so you have to be you're you're walking on eggshells as a as a business owner because at the end of this day, the customer given most people, even though we spend the time after the sale is done, we spend the time walking them through every selection. We spend the time doing a three D design of their place. We spend the even time before you guys have signed the contract? No, no after, after the, the signing okay. the contract. Yeah. We spend the time walking them through every selection that we offer. And our showroom is about ten thousand square feet. Right? And then we will sit down with them and we will go through a, a floor plan. Once they agree on that floor plan, we'll try and do a 3D design of the floor plan and get them to sign off on that. Then as soon as the studs go up on the first day, one of our project managers is always on site and they walk the customer down. We tell the customer to be home the first day of of framing just so we can lay out the floor plan. We walk them downstairs and we try and walk them through their rooms. Just if they couldn't picture it in a 3D design, now they can picture it laid out on the floor. Yeah. Four days later, the customer comes down. Oh, I think that closet should be on that side. But that's construction, right? That's construction. Yeah. So now we're educating the customer that, hey, this is a change order.
1: Right? But they feel that it should be included. They mm-hmm. should
0: feel that it should be included. So how do you guys deal with that?
1: A lot of
2: education. A lot of communication and, and being politically correct all the time and using our contracts and what they signed off on is, hey, this is what you signed off on. And read the fine print. Client print says if you change, it's going to cost, right?
1: I mean, it's good that you guys have that grocery list and you just mark it off because I've seen other builders that I've interviewed and I've, I've they've been allowed me to take a look at whatever they do. They're mm-hmm. They're asking me what I think about it, and I do agree with that. It's basically you've got a list of everything you guys offer, mm-hmm. and it's either you... Chose it or you didn't choose it. Correct. So if there's a zero attached to it, then you didn't, chose it. You didn't choose it, so then we're not going to build it. But yeah, so if you change things, then it also affects the schedule, it affects the cost, and these are all extra monies that you guys have to give up.
2: It also goes down on the fact when they're taking something off halfway through the build. They want like a full refund on it. They, don't, they forget about restocking fees, they forget about all that.
1: Why are they taking some... Well, so they, they made, the made a decision... That they, they don't want this type of vanity to, or that type of vanity. Correct.
0: To upgrade... You know, or downgrade, uh, or even downgrade upgrade again. or downgrade the yeah. vanity, for example, because now they found a better vanity and they want. It's like, well, I didn't take your vanity. I'm buying my vanity from Home Depot.
2: And we buy everything up front before we start
0: a job. Well, it's yeah. smart because you should. So well, if you, if you look at I don't know if you can see this from there, just because I'm people 51 are fifty-one years old now. <laughs> <wrong with> <laughs> so what happens after fifty? Well, the white hairs definitely come in.
2: <laughs> so yeah, I'm zooming that, in. That
0: is <laughs> our that is our final scope. Okay. it's drawn room per room it shows the square footage of drywall the how many pot lights how many plugs yeah which is how great. many switches as detailed as possible so that if they want to add another plug there well they know how much it costs There's to add another the plug. cost yeah Correct. So it's pretty straightforward oh they're playing you would, the dumb card you wouldn't believe doing. how many people uh, make decisions on that and even it's so, it's a game. It's a game. It's a game. But you it's know why they like expect this? It's supply. because
2: there's contractors that cater to that. That's the problem. Of so there's guys there that drop their pants. Of course, there Sorry is. Sorry to say, no, I I'm know. Just being fully transparent yeah. here. There's guys that drop pants, even reputable guys. Mm-hmm. I know guys in the industry, guys, and we have conversations, and they're like, "How do you guys deal with this?" And I'm like, "Why do you guys drop your pants like this? You are only egging onto this, then you're complaining about it later because, because you give something money
1: somehow. That's why. But you give them one thing then
2: they're going to want this. They're going to they want your throat. Of course they will. And for example, a cl- uh, us, just so you know, I don't know how the contractors work, but people leave a final bill hold. We don't do that. We, after flooring is done, we take our final check. Good for you. Guys. Everything up front. Smart. For- Smart. We yeah. are
0: not working without money. Mm-hmm. And then some people argue with that. And I'm like, I'm a jukebox. You pay, pay to play. Insert coin, please. I'll sing all day long. Frankie Sinatra will come right out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it is smart because, I mean, a lot of uh, trades that I've uh, spoken to, they, they're doing that now, and we've shared it a number of times on the show. And I think... The good trades out there, the good contractors are going to start educating the client that there is no 5%, 2.5%, oh. final bill, final whatever, for a punch list of deficiencies. All no, there's a final 20% that we take. Then we get started on the final part of the job. Correct. Then guess what? The onus is on us now. As tradespeople, we're going to finish the work because mm-hmm. you've given us the money. Correct. Mm-hmm. And we are going to finish the work because that's mm-hmm. our objective. Yep.
0: And I love that the uh, Consumer Protection Act has updated everything. That so now you don't have to wait. There is no holdback for deficiencies anymore. Like there used to be 10%. It was, uh, it no, 10%. there used to be a 10% holdback, and now they pull that off. Yeah,
1: correct. Yeah. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. Like, trust Sorry. me, my experience, you can have
0: a contract and the client can still dispute it. Correct. But there is case law that, that has ordered contractors to, uh, uh, that has actually ordered contractors to pay for not finishing jobs.
1: Well, of course. You got to, but then now you have to take them to legal of course right yeah so either the home or but then also don't forget the flip side Mm -hmm. contract or clients not paying Mm -hmm. yes and and kicking you out or whatever right and now you're out money that work has already been performed on correct now Mm -hmm. it's on you to either get a lien that you have to uh what's the term called uh perfect
0: sorry you have to perfect the lien every year no no you have to
1: set it up first you have
0: 45 days to uh, place a lien Ninety days to perfect a lien. Yes. So even after you place the lien, you have to take them whether to small claims court or to the superior court correct. right away. But then every year
1: you have to re. Uh, there's a term for it. You have to uh, renew it. the lien. Renew the lien. I you don't. You have know, to renew the lien. There's an R word or something like that.
0: Yeah, you have please. to renew the lien unless the judgment ha- has been correct. has already been. Which settled, they right? can
1: carry it on for uh, whatever they. Uh, if they have no plans on selling that
0: structure, mm-hmm. that lien can go on for twenty years. Not necessarily. We have done it. We have done I'm it where it could. Correct. It but could. So you have to be very careful who you're suing, right? Whether they're judgment proof or not. Yes. If they're judgment proof outside of their outside of their ownership of the home, then you have a tr- you have a problem even working in there. And you have to really analyze who you're working for. At the end of the day, no self-respecting human being will go and get a job at XYZ company if they don't like the interview. Of course. Same with us. We have to be we have to be very keen on interviewing our customer as much as they are interviewing us, as much as the customer chooses us to work for them, we have to choose to work for that customer. Yeah. And that's always a wonderful sales operation argument. But that's a vetting. That's, that's a like vetting of the customer. And that's
1: also, unfortunately, that's experience. Yeah, it is experience. No new kids that are coming into the industry don't realize how to read people. Mm-hmm. Correct. And it's like boxing. It's like exactly. I tell people it's like boxing.
2: Yeah. And and that that's one of the sports I'm into as well is because... A lot of what you do in boxing can be translated into business, and, and especially in contracting. These customers are, are playing a game with you, and you have to know when to hit, look for their weaknesses, and when they expose themselves, you go for the knockout. Yeah. And a lot of times that knockout is what gets you the sale because they realize that they don't want to look stupid now, so they're trying to prove themselves at that point. Uh, or how to structure to deals. Like we, we sold a basement, a very interesting story I sold. I went into a house in, in Markham, and the guy straight up is very cocky. He's like, listen, all you contractors that came into my house, pitch a big game. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but sure. This is the client this is guy you the guys client. are
1: going to go interview for the first time? Yeah, correct.
2: So after, I'm sitting with him on the, on, the kitchen, on the table. And it's an older home. He finished his basement 30 years ago himself. He was an architect. He had some floor plan he even drew, showing me his work. It was like the old school way of hand drawing. I said, it's mine. It's my souvenir. Took it from him. Kind of got okay. He's like, I had nine people I interviewed. None of them were able to give me, none of them. None of them were able to satisfy me. So I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm. Like, he's like, well, you know, they're all saying eighty grand, ninety grand. Make like, sure,
1: fair enough. That doesn't matter. They're but giving them. They're giving him a ballpark. They're right giving him ballpark
2: there. and contract some of them. The problem was this basement was very old and it was, it was basically finished. Right, so we had to demolish it and rebuild. So I said, since you're an architect and you're a proponent of the building code, he was very adamant. He wants everything OBCQ nine, cool. I said, let's go downstairs and see if it was done to building code when you did it 30 years ago. Now it's on him. He's like scared. He's like, I framed it 60 on center I'm telling you it was building code. I'm like, would you be willing to take off one of the wood paneling to even look behind? He's like, yeah. So he takes it off. And it was the studs were put like this. How You have them right now. Yeah. Not even like this. Yeah. No tracks, no nothing. So his ego completely got destroyed. I said, look, this is what I'm going to do for you. Nine people weren't able to satisfy you. Let's just take a retainer for demolition. We're going to charge you thirteen grand to demolish this basement. And after that, we'll give you a price. And if you like it, you go ahead. He signed the demolition disclosure. We demoed the basement first. And then we came and we sold a $140,000 basement.
0: $185,000
1: basement. So what did you guys discover there?
2: Oh, it was just old. And it was big. bigger. It's than 30
1: years of construction. Even if it was built back then properly to code or just above code or whatever, mm-hmm. it's still not going to meet code today. Well, they added so much more once they saw the space because it's actually
2: 1600 square feet but they were thinking it's a thousand because they couldn't measure properly because there's so much walls in between
0: here's here's what he said that's really key seven to eight contractors came in there gave him a price of eighty thousand dollars all in to demo and rebuild a 1500 square foot basement Mm -hmm. that's the key now, that's another problem that we also face in our, in our industry that customers really need a, a good education on is the step in progress, right? Like I showed you, our scope of work before we start building, before we shoot a nail into the floor is probably between 14 and 25 pages long, right? It's a very detailed, and we do that much detail because our goal is not to step in this customer. Most uh, companies that are coming in will start at 80,000, for fifteen hundred, there's no way you can build that. That won't even make the cost of the materials, let alone the actual labor. Customers don't understand this, so they will start at um, they will start at eighty thousand, then they will demo, then they will add thirty thousand, then in the middle of in the middle of the uh, basement they will add another thirty thousand and another thirty thousand, and they will get to their eventual figure. Of course, and we will be. Equal at the end for us, unless you physically add something, or the building inspector decides, you know he doesn't like X Y Z, he would rather add this to the already approved permit. Unless that actual event happens, you know our the number our, stays. the number stays the same right to the end of the construction. But that's not reality.
1: That's not reality. They change things, change additions. Mm-hmm. It just happens, right? Mm-hmm. Where did he get this list of seven or eight or nine, whatever different.
2: All Google right there. We have like in this, there's a lot of basement builders, so-called basement builders. And there's a lot of good ones too. But again, the mistake is that a lot of them hire sales guys without training and understanding this science of where to hold your cards, where not to hold your cards, where we come in with a lot of experience, right? I've been doing this for a very long time. So I've been in-home selling products and and home improvements since 2009. Put it that way. So I, I mean, it's just years of experience. When somebody says me something, it's just automatically I understand. But it's hard to train that. It's hard to take a neural oh, of link. Course. It's very hard. Even my sales guys, it takes a while to train that instinct and understanding the, how to bat, right, or how to make weight. Because you can only have the fight if you made the weight. Yeah. If you haven't made weight, what are you fighting for? Right. So what are you selling here? So one of the biggest questions I always ask when somebody says I had five contracts is so why am I here? So what did five people didn't do for you that? Is it just a principal thing? Because I don't think you have time to waste. You're a doctor or you're a lawyer or you're whatever. You don't have time to waste to sit three, four hours. We're like, oh, well, someone, someone said, someone, so-and-so said this, so-and-so said this, so-and-so said that. Sure, we're, said means nothing. What's on paper? We're going to that route. And a lot of it is not on paper. So a lot of people, what they're doing is the industry, I don't know how the rest of the construction industry is, but in basements, they throw a fishing rod to see if he bites yeah uh, the more he bites the more serious to go whereas we vet we, we do all that upfront work to vet Then even when we're, we're vetting and we're in the house we don't play the zoom call model or whatever there's people that sell basements on zoom calls oh yeah there's people that are selling basements I've, on I've, zoom calls i've never heard of that without a measurement without anything so the first question i tell them is do you believe somebody can sell a basement on a zoom call well, the other company gave me a such and such quote. I came across this recently where he was priced a basement at 60000 and our price came to 60000 But the way our line items were versus the other guy was completely different. So the, the Zoom call, they were charging a demolition price of 4000 to demolish the basement.
1: So what's in that basement at 60000 that you guys priced out? What it was, was a very small basement. Square footage it? of what? What's in it?
2: 600 square feet, bathroom, stairs finished, and, and there was a demolition charge.
1: And they just opened up everything else? Correct, the rest are open. Open concept. Open yeah, concept. it's open concept. So, uh, essentially,
2: so essentially, my first response to them was, because they say, you're 60,000, he's 60,000, but your demolition is 8,000, and their demolition is 4,000. I'm like, let me break down my demolition. There's an electrical cleanup. We have to clean all the junction boxes. There's this much linear feet of walls that we have to clean up. There's this much square foot of floors, this much tile, this much everything. I broke it down. There's subfloor that I have to take off. Dude didn't even know about the subfloor. On a Zoom call, did they see the subfloor? to call the guy back and tell him the list what's here when t- when she called them back they said their demolition would be sixteen thousand.
1: yeah because they finally assessed it correctly
2: after i gave the information to them yeah but a lot of them are playing zoom call basements and it's 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 actually there's actually sales that are that do get done like that there's people that are like i signed a basement off a zoom call and then the price doubles when the inspection happens
1: so how many basements have you guys done
0: in the last year, about 186 this and counting. Year. Or this year, sorry. Yeah, so t- 2022, we did 186 basements.
1: And then how many basements the year before that? So every year we doubled in size. Uh, this year we tripled actually. And then you are booked up until what, the, the March. spring? March? March. Which
0: currently okay. we're booking in March.
1: On average, you're pulling off basements in what, that eight to 10 week period? Eight to 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's another thing. So cor- let me correct you on that. All of these so-called
2: basement guys advertise three-week basements, and people believe that. That's impossible. I don't, I don't yeah. So just so you know, sure. people believe that, and they, and there is reputable names that re- that advertise that, and people can fathom that in. So we don't say that. We said, look, minimum five to six weeks could go into the eight-week mark with the with the touch-ups, the final phase,
0: but even like to get the substantial completion, it's five to six weeks. So the fastest we have built a basement is five weeks, and that is literally. Just the perimeter walls and the floor and baseboards. No doors. No bathrooms. No nothing. No, no exit. No, no. There's no exit. It's just regular stairs. It was a personal use. Five to. It was about five five weeks from the start mm-hmm. of construction, mm-hmm. not from the permit, because permit alone yeah, that's a will take take four to eight, four to eight weeks mm-hmm. on a personal use. Are you guys taking the full
1: responsibility of the permit? Sorry, you're applying for the permit.
0: Generally, we apply for In the personal cases. permits. We also have uh, like BCIN designers hired to apply for the permits, and we have engineering firms that we partner with. So, uh, if so we the
1: BCIN people that you work with, they're designing the layout as well. Or you guys? No, we are that? designing layout. You guys design. We are that designing based <laughs> on based on your specs, right? <laughs> based on our specs. So, out of all these jobs that you guys are doing, and you're spending that fourteen hours of vetting, trying to get the right client, and then you're still getting that hundred plus, and now next year you're going to get. 300, I guess now. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, if the economy stays
2: good. Yeah. When I'm going to Alberta, hopefully.
1: Yeah. Okay? And yeah, then yeah. I can only assume that there's more work out that way as well, too. Mm-hmm. Are you guys having to educate every single client this, that, this whole path thing? Because I personally i am still, I know you guys are talking about, on average, what? The basements are costing, what, $80,000? I would say, like, this year, uh, if, we, if we divided the math of, like, the total that we divide by, like, the revenue
2: that we did, I would say 70000 to be fair.
1: I still think that's low. A 100% it agree with low. you.
2: I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. We wish we could like these basements, people are the clients re- they don't have the money to
0: give you more. That no, that that's not the problem. The thing is this. You have to make a decision what kind of company you want to be. Yeah. Right? Always. You have to make a decision what so in when I was just doing restoration, in the beginning when I was much younger, we would do it all. Right? We would go right from the roof, right to the fence, right to the inside of the house. And we ended up hiring a lot of uh, do-it-all employees, right? A lot of uh, handyman employees. Yeah. I found that was the worst model um, in the world to operate because, uh, you know, a jack of all trades is a master of none, or yep. a master of one and jack in, in everything else. And there really that was a very, uh, very stressful process of how to run a company. And even when, even when we uh, we started uh, We started with basements in, in 2019. Uh, when, Manib, when we used to do a couple of basements, I would say, okay, you know what, we're going to assign the basement to this employee and he will construction manage and kind of assist in the construction as well. It was a stressful process. So what we started doing now is we have trades like we have employees de- dedicated to a trade smart by the so way. the framers yeah. frame the drywallers drywall the tiler's tile you know if the tiler has no work for a day or two he can assist painting you know if my um finished carpenters don't have any work you know they can do some rough carpentry but in general so we our profit margins are tight very tight to the point where if you look at overall in a year, our net net was probably only six percent, really? right?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, man. Over the year, after right? you pay your trucks, after you pay gas, you pay four or seven bills. You're paying designers. You're paying PMs, CMs, showroom rent.
1: We yeah. generally
0: have one construction manager running uh, through every five jobs.
1: So You guys know that six percent—that's low, right? Very low. Net value. net,
0: not gross profit.
1: No, no, I get it. It's still correct. It's, it's still low. low. It's mm-hmm.
0: low. Hundred percent, but. The thing is, what we wanted to do is enter a, like, actually compete in the market to create the name and then look from there, right? Yeah. Because when you're competing against XYZ WRX basements, who's been around for eight, nine years and is offering cheaper pricing than you are, they are not doing, if you really look at some of the names that are been around this industry, and I'm not going to mention them, but... If you look at the names that have been around this industry, the one thing that the customer doesn't realize is who is actually performing the work.
1: Oh, it's not them.
0: And it's not them. If you look at Assured Basements, we have 22 current vehicles geotabbed running around the city. All that's, only, that's not our construction managers, not our project managers. That is only our trade employees. So framers, plumbers, um, We have plumbers in-house, framers in-house. We do not have electricians and HVAC in-house because we just don't have the volume for that right now. Will we eventually have it in-house? Yes. But at the moment, we do not have those two trades in-house. The rest of the trades are in-house, right? So you're not having a subcontractor coming to your job, and, and that's how they're mitigating costs. Our focus is on quality. Mm -hmm. our focus is on things being done right our focus is on things being being done to our system that we have created that we know that we have tested right our focus is not to sell a project design a project get you a permit call some contractor on the back from the back of his truck say here's the permit go build it here's your you know your percentage of what i've sold that's not our idea so we are competing at that same level. So when we're looking at their cost being equal to ours, and we are competing at the same price as those reputable basement builders, we have found that our net 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 is somewhere between six and eight percent.
1: But right now, you guys are taking a hit just to build, just modeled. to build, just to build one hundred percent, correct? Right. But you guys are doing that on purpose to start increasing that correct
2: well so it already increased i would say in three years a lot yeah so I, it's obviously the, the first changed. year
1: 2019 it wasn't six percent no it was, probably it even was less right? minus yeah that's what negative. i figured yeah. negative and then you guys are probably just got started even, maybe even 2021 you guys got probably started seeing a profit
0: of net 2021 we saw a very tiny profit 2022 will probably end off at about closer to eight percent that's good to hear right <laughs> so but that's the thing the the most important part was the brand the most important thing to us is the brand. We don't want to be those guys running around and in 2 years we're nowhere to be found because we have tons of warranty calls. Have we received warranty calls? Yes. Right? Our time period to deal with warranty calls is 30 days. Yeah. So, and every one of our customers knows that, you know, we we have example after example of warranty calls we've received that we have addressed generally within 30 days unless it was some we only received one that was a little bit more complicated. It took us about two months to address it, but we addressed it. But other than that, you know what? Building uh, building 186 basements this year and counting is a tall order. Of course, it is, right? Man. It's a huge accomplishment. Yeah,
1: gentlemen, I got to wrap this up. We got the 12 questions to do. It's sure. been a pleasure having a very interesting conversation with you guys. Mm-hmm. Likewise, everybody. Uh, Minute no, Manib. Manib, sorry. Sorry, anyway, man. Like, no, it's all good, bro. Dude, I'm brutal with names, You man. can call me Manny, just like you. The <laughs> same thing, or Money. That's what they call like, me. But yours is Ryan. <laughs> Ryan Dasa. <laughs> <laughs> Assured Basements, uh, www.assuredbasements.ca, sales at Assured ba- Group, sorry, sales at AssuredGroupInc.ca, and on Instagram, AssuredBasements, And with YouTube with, Assured Basements as well. YouTube I recommend YouTube as well. As well. To yeah. take a look at it, because then you guys will get a better idea of, it, of yourselves and the crew. Mm-hmm. Cool. You ready for the 12 questions? For sure. sure. What is your favorite construction word? My favorite construction word? It's a good question. I have 12 of them.
0: <laughs> I have one.
1: That's it. You have one question? No, well, one, one word. favorite word. What's that?
0: Completion. The certificate of completion. That's it. What's yours? Thinking.
2: Thinking. It's a good question. It's coming. T- what would it be? everybody's different not completion no it's not completion for sure but <laughs> i don't even know to be honest with you, you don't know you do what's my it? favorite i don't know what, it, what my favorite would well, every
0: couple of days i get a call Ryan, 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 Ryan. A new sale. <laughs> but sales <laughs> is not part of construction. Is He's asking a construction word. So sales is not sales a construction word, right? Construction.
1: Sales is a construction word. Well, I love For sales. For sure. Of course it is. Well, I love sales. Okay, so what is your least favorite construction word? The least favorite word.
2: I have to think about it. Where the client said I have to think about it. Or I have to uh, five other contractors. I have to sleep on it. That's fine. I have to sleep on
0: it. Change. Changes. I want this changed. Oh, my God. What turns you on in construction? What turns me on? I mean, it, it, it
2: was a way for, I mean, what I like about it in North America is, is if, you, if you really put your work into this, this is a very, very good trade. Uh, it's a very, very good way to make a living. And, uh, you know, you're able to, clients are appreciating your work to say, hey, man, like uh, I lived in this basement and we get people saying five years later or three years later that, hey, our kids grew up here. Yeah. The reward of it, that
0: makes me feel happy. What turns me on is the the twinkle in the customer's eyes, right? Um, And even so, uh, you know, the, the fact that one customer called me almost crying that they did not have to duck Because I changed the elevation of their staircase. They did not have to duck or hit their head going down their basement. And they were so excited about that. Like he called me in the middle of the night and he's like, look, Ryan, I'm not ducking.
2: The video. Yeah, 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 yeah. the
0: video. Even he sent me a video of it. It was amazing. It's a good feeling. What turns you off in construction, gentlemen?
2: What turns me off? A lot of things. But which specific thing? Like any, any specifics? Any specific. We talked a lot about them, how clients are. The lies, the lies of clients really piss me off because it only works against them. What they don't understand is if you're honest, you will only have the right energy with any contractor. Who, it's not about the acquisition of the customer, but the honest clients really please me. And I would say it's one out of like 10. A lot of them are lying some portion of it. I, I and I catch
1: their lies. I call it the performance. Yeah. I specifically like how he or she yeah. never had this conversation with he or she mm-hmm. of their significant other. mm mm-hmm. We don't talk to each other, even though we're married to each other. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like a lovely performance mm-hmm. and scene.
0: <laughs> the lying, the, the, for sure. The, the thing that turns me off the most is people assume that contractors are uneducated pe- people. They assume that, you know, we started working with our hands, started building a fence. I have... We all, we, a lot of us have university degrees and master's degrees. So... And we just like working in construction, and it's a very satisfying job for us. Doesn't mean we don't have a master's degree. So I agree. I love the customer who'll say, "You know what? I have this, this, this education. I'm going to tell you how it is, and I know how the basement should be built." I'm like, buddy, calm the fuck down. I know. I've heard it. Might want to go research who you're talking to. What is your favorite curse word, guys? Fuck sakes.
2: Uh, it's in my language, so I don't know if I can say that. Then say right. it. Say it in my language? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Say it again. Behanchot? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. What does that mean? It, I mean it means really bad. It means a sister effer, but sister it's just uh one of those things that in our culture is used is used a lot. It's used Pen, it's, it's no, <laughs> panchut. Panchut. and you have to say it. You can't just say it like that. You have to, in, in in my culture you cannot swear laughing and cackling. You have to be like Virchot. <laughs> You have to like Really like show the emotion You can't just say Like fuck you It's not only
0: that. in Utah They think about that Yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> What is your favorite vehicle guys? Anything in the world? I love Range Rovers That's just me That's the only car I love But can't pull up In the client's house In that right so <laughs> Sure anything. I drive with Denali
0: A GMC Anything any, Anything in the world Anything in the world? Anything in the world What would dream car? Vehicle or dream car? Well, Any okay, vehicle. The F-16.
1: Could be, could be a bike. It could be the F-16. F-16. Airplane. Okay.
0: One day I will go to California and pay the $5,000 to dogfight that thing with laser tags. you have that?
1: What's your oh, least yeah. favorite vehicle in the world?
2: The least favorite? I don't know. Prius or Hyundai? Just because the movies I watched, they would make fun of it. Hyundai. It's just that name.
0: Yeah, Prius. Prius? Yeah. Prius.
1: What construction sound or noise do you guys love?
0: the circular saw
2: the 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 nail shoots
0: what construction sound the,
2: or noise do you guys hate well i don't like the when it's cutting too much and you cannot talk to the person so if i'm talking to some of my guys and they're cutting, that cut I, I don't like that so that's me
0: i hate a marker going on concrete floor oh like the chalk feeling yeah yeah yeah, yeah the cho- like, like a, a marker you know the when chalk you chalk on a concrete floor yeah. that little tssst. Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. Gets right into my nerves for some reason. It does well, to me too, so.
1: What profession other than your own would you guys like to attempt one day? So I will say for myself, looking back, I wish I was an electrician
2: as well. Instead of just being a sales guy. Because um, believe it or not, like electricians have it very well. It's, not, it's a trade that, that if you really have both skills, the sales part of it, and, and building a very business, well. it's crazy. I don't even know how some of these electricians aren't like, really hustling. Like it's, it's a clean a clean trade it's not like plumbing where you're breathing a lot of gases digging down it's running wires not saying it's easy but it, it's, a, it's a thing that i wish somebody told me hey son, instead of going to university for business or blah 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 why don't you go become an electrician with the knowledge i have today i would be a killer electrician like running an a, a, like electrical firm it's insane and i've seen some of the guys that we know that are in, in the electrical space but like one of the guys i know he's never even in canada he's always in different islands just collect just collecting invoices
0: I want to go to Puerto Rico and become a boat charter master. That would be my retirement plan. That is what I. Why I will try one day. <laughs> what profession would you guys not like to do? Not like to do anything. Well, I, my my parents,
2: they're both. They come from medical, so I didn't like that. I just saw blood and a lot of that needle stuff and, and pharmaceuticals just keeps keeping that. Yeah.
1: Lab tester. Test (laughs) yourself. If heaven exists, what would you guys like to hear when God said, "What?" Sorry, I fucked that up. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? What would I like to say? What He would say? What God
2: would say to me? That you're not burning a little, even for a second, in hellfire. That's just me. (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to pay for my sins. That's all. (laughs) Because part of it is the belief if heaven exists, you got to first get punished to go to heaven. I don't want the punishment. Huh? Yeah, you gotta I, get punished. For I see second. what he's saying. Yeah, I just don't I want the punishment. I want to yes. walk straight to heaven. Whether that heaven is a little bit, let's say, if the calculation is you're gonna get punished for X amount of years, uh, but then the heaven is greater, I'd rather take the little bit of the heaven because it's for eternal. But I don't want
0: to go through the the pain of it.
1: That's what, yeah. That's I,
0: I that's, that's what I'm saying. trying
1: to say. I get it.
2: That's
0: me. What's yours? What man? would God say to me, or what would He say about me? If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Good job, man. Welcome in. That's it.
1: That's Good it, job. gentlemen. Thank you very much, uh, Manuid, Manib, 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 Sorry, Manib, uh, Manib, Manib, Ryan. Triple uh, w ShirtBasements dot ca, sales at Assured Group Inc and on Instagram and also on YouTube, Assured Basements. Mm-hmm. Thanks very much, guys. All the best. Thank you, me, Matt. thank you. It great it, show. Man. Thank you, Angelina. We had it.